North American Whitetail Championships 2019 is getting closer and closer. Every time we lay our heads down to sleep at night, we inch a little bit more that towards that title, qualifying for a chance to win that title of the 2019 champion of the North American Whitetail Championships. 14 regions across America and Canada. $300 gets you signed up. Again, once you do that, you get a package valued at over that with a Tacticam, a Gator Coolers Tumbler, Peep Sights, Broadheads, anything to accessorize your bow out. Again, 14 regions across America and Canada. $300 gets you a chance to qualify and win $50,000 cash money at the 2019 North American Whitetail Championships brought to you by Michael Waddell and the Bone Collector Crew. All archery, all the time. Tree stands, ground blinds, doesn't matter. Hone your skills, get out there, stay ethical, stay safe, stay honest, and try to win that $50,000 cash prize. Let's keep whitetail deer hunting at the forefront of America. Let's come together as hunters, fishers, conservationists, outdoorsmen, outdoors women. Let's just get it together, guys. Get on that website, nawtc.com. You can follow at NAW Champ on Instagram and Facebook and, and learn the rules. See if you have what it takes to become the 2019 North American Whitetail Champion. All archery, 14 regions across America. Tell them that Chad sent you. You might even be going up against Waddell or T-Bone or Nick Munt or Pat Reeves or Nicole or Lee and Tiffany. I don't know who's going to enter it, but I know that it's going to be popular. Today's episode is also brought to you by Carbon Express Arrows. Thank you so much for everything that you do here for, at, for our archery hunts all of our archery expeditions carbon express is what we depend on as well as matthews bows we all love the new tree axe we're fired up for our relationship with matthews and um, i can't tell you enough how smooth they are even me with my left-handed model i'm even hitting targets up to 60 yards we uh, we got the glendale bucks and the block targets out and out, out on the range and we're practicing every day because tags are getting ready to come out in the state of nevada state of utah state of arizona state of idaho we're ready for it 2019 archery season and today's episode is also brought to you by our friends at elk ridge knives stay sharp america i don't care what you're doing in the field whether you're cutting rope branches they have every tool needed a gut hook a saw an axe a blade to cut those breasts and tenderloins out of those mallard ducks or those back straps off that rocky mountain bull elk elk ridge knives elk ridge evolution.com they are badass i love the way they keep an edge i love their management i love working with these guys they're a great partner of ours here and i love the way they support this life ain't for everybody podcast elk ridge evolution get yourself one of the new elk ridge knives that are being released as we speak for the 2019 2020 hunting season i'm excited for the 2019 2020 season because we always get to kick it off up north, north of the border, A, with the Canadians. And we always go to this province called Alberta. And we always go to this lodge owned by this couple named Clay and Crystal Charlton and their outfitting company, Take em Outfitters. Whether you're looking for ducks, geese, and all varieties of lessers, big Canada, speckle belly, snows, blues. We've even killed a couple quills up there, mallard ducks, widgeons, pintails. If you like to bear hunt, if you like to wolf hunt, if you like to kill big white-tailed deer, I'm sure they got a lot of other offerings, including killing coyotes, where an American can squeeze the trigger on a coyote as long as he is with a licensed outfitter like Take Em Outfitters. And my guest today is the owner, the operator, the man, the myth, the legend of Alberta, Clay Charlton. What's up, buddy? How's it going, Chad? Man, it's good to be here, buddy. You came in last night? Yes, sir. Flew in, got in about 9 o'clock, and uh, it was an uneventful flight, so the way I like it. 
what um do you mean uneventful did it shake the shit out of you coming out of denver like it did me yesterday actually we uh, bypassed it our pilot decided to take us for a scenic tour uh she was pretty ugly around denver so we went the long way around and by the time we got there she was she was already laid down so it was in and out the way i like it on a plane what what uh was it shaky coming up over the rockies one time we had a little turbulence there for sure she was black though that sky was black what do you goes through your mind when you start shaking on a plane are you used to it because up in you know alaska and canada you get on those little bush planes the weather the pilots got to be watching everything but when you get on one of these big commercial jets and they still start shaking and you're going over those Rockies and you, you're flying through the fog and the low clouds and you don't know if you can even see the tips of the Rocky Mountains or if the pilot can. I mean, there's a lot of shit that can go through your head, right? I'll tell you what, that's the number one thing that goes through my mind is in that fog, those big clouds, you know, I'm not sure what we're in at the time, but all I know is you can't see out your window and you just hope they can see, you know, those rock tips out of those mountains because you every now and then when you do see them they're gorgeous and then all of a sudden you're in a cloud and you're like oh let's get a little altitude does anything in a flying mess with your head though i mean do you ever get shaken up at all when you get a little turbulence if when you're at thirty six thousand feet and you cut through some rough unsettled air i mean are you talking to yourself do you put your head down or is it just like a roller coaster ride to you i'm pretty solid on those planes uh you know those they got the instruments to do the job but uh, uh my daughter she's went with us a few times and she's not a big fan of that whatsoever Really? What does she get the puke bag out? Yeah, she has no problem puking over a fifty million dollar plane. <laughs> those, those planes are probably a little bit more than fifty million, maybe like two hundred. Yeah, those possibly. big sevens, thirty sevens. Right. So you you guys left Alberta yesterday. You fly out of Edmonton. Yeah, flew out of Amber, uh, Edmonton and landed in Denver, and then from Denver to Reno. And you're staying uh, you're staying about four or five days here in Reno, and you're going to uh, not just be a part of what we're doing here on the podcast but what do you guys what else you got planning you gonna take the wife up to see lake tahoe yeah that's the plan we hang out with you and uh and clay for the next day or two here and enjoy ourselves and uh then yeah take mom up and go see what lake tahoe has to show and uh just i think reno is one of the prettiest places i've ever been to it's it's i love the big rolling hills the mountains and uh you can see the snow in the peaks when she's 90 90 degrees on the ground so it's it's a beautiful place well it, where else do you like to visit in America? Do you stay? I mean, do you come down to the states quite a bit? I know you go to Louisiana. Where else do you, you guys frequent? Uh, we do a lot in Louisiana. Yeah, that's definitely one of my places. I like North Dakota. It's got some good fishing. Um, my kind of my kind of style ice fishing is. Uh, you know, we do a lot of that in Alberta. So we get to f- drive down to North Dakota and we do some ice fishing there for some big yellow perch. Um, but yeah, Louisiana definitely home run because of the food. The food, the people. Uh, got a big customer base in Louisiana, so we know a lot of people, and uh, it's kind of where it kicked us off 14 years ago. So, do you know yeah. Lindy? Is Lindy one of your buddies? Lyndon, yeah, Lynn Lee, yes. Do yeah. you like him? Oh, he's a good guy. Yeah, he's uh, working hard offshore. So, what kind of guy is he? Is he a goofball? Oh no, he's 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 a killer. He is. Oh yeah, he loves his hunting and he's a cook. He I love cook. watching him stand over a pot of gumbo. He's probably makes one of the best pot of gumbos you ever eat. Can you imitate his voice at all? Nope. No? He's quiet. <laughs> He's not quiet. <laughs> you really think Lindley's quiet? You can be quiet, yeah. And you, the way that it all got started with the Cajuns up in Alberta with you at Takeham, was was it Lindley's dad that started it all off? No, it was uh, a friend of his uh, just called me out of the blue and uh, booked a waterfowl hunt with me. He was out east, and he, they didn't do so well, and then they came up here and gave us a kick at the can, and that's... 14 years ago 13 years ago and he's been back ever since sometimes twice a year 
what is the what what is the connection there? They just love being around your pad, or they have a lot of success up there. It's everything, you know. When it comes to waterfowling in uh, in Alberta, Saskatchewan, I mean, this is black and white of it. I don't know if you're going to have a bad trip as far as killing birds. The birds are there. We all, I mean, we're covered up in them everywhere. It, what makes an outfitter stand out is the people, the quality of service you offer. Um, you know, the camaraderie. Uh, to me, that's what makes the difference between having people show back up every year versus uh, not. So the bird hunting definitely is five-star just about anywhere you go, but it's who you're hunting with. And so your goal as an outfitter then is to become pretty much ingrained in their, the experience with these guys. And a lot of it does become almost family, right? Like you're almost family together. You're almost your best friends. That It's not even a question. It's almost a no-brainer every year that they're going to rebook because it's just like going on a little family vacation, yeah? Yeah. Everybody gets in there and, you know, sits around the fire. You shoot the breeze. And next thing you know, you're in setting up a blind. And, and uh, it's a hands-on experience. It's one-on-one deal nobody's a number you know everybody knows everybody's name after the first day and uh yeah you're, you're just doing what everybody is there for they enjoy the atmosphere the the environment and and what we have to offer in alberta so and it's a lights out experience but waterfowl hunting is in your face i mean you're out for an hour you kill your limit and you come back she's you know cocktail she's uh cooking she's a you know fire pit who's it, she she yeah you keep saying she's a cocktails she, well, she's a cooking she, like she, is crystal she's the experience oh she's the experience that's right so you're you're giving the experience a female connotation like you just a well, i guess it's a maybe you know our thing i guess but yes she so, is, is yeah. it, so she's a cocktail she's a fire she's a cooking yeah she's so give a me good an idea time. Give, me, give, me a, give me a rundown of a of a trip of of we we get online we book a hunt with take them outfitters we call you these are the dates we're interested in we get a deposit or she gets a deposit and then she takes it from there so take that's it from right. there for me well we, well yeah that's how we do it you fly in edmonton there uh rent a car you know depends if you depends on this group size or not there is available for pickup as well but uh you get to the lodge you get all settled in and uh, we meet and introduce some people get out there and even help us for the evening scout and go for a you know, good old tour and see where we're looking at and for the morning shoot. Um, then she's uh, our early morning rise. Get out in that field, get set up, get underneath them. Uh, usually that's, you know, an hour deal. You're done unless you're Chad. Um, but other than that, you're back at the lodge. You're having a good time. She's a beautiful setup. You know, we got outside games. We got fire pits. You know, we got the traggers going. It's a, it's just a great experience. It's a family environment. The kids are out riding horses. Uh, you, we kind of live out in the sticks, if you will. So you don't hear the cars running by or anything like that. You're surrounded by wilderness. So the experience starts, though. We get to camp. We pull in. Um, and I'm not talking to us. You know, ours is a different deal. You right. talk, you, you say, except for Chad, because yeah. it is, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it, I'm a very, I'm a very anal, difficult person to work with for an outfitter because that's why I don't hunt with a lot of outfitters. You're doing your job. It's a different and, app, a whole a different atmosphere in the blind. Uh, you know, you're doing, you're out there bringing what we do to the people on TV and it's not just sit down on a, on a chair and, and throw a video camera in the air. So yeah, what you boys are doing is a whole different league. Um, and it's enjoyable to uh, to a different point. I mean, you 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 can't call every shot. Uh, you take your time. You get these birds where you want them. You got nine cameras, eight cameras, three camera guys out in the field. I mean, I'll tell you what. It's it's a process. It's an enjoyable process. But the TV that you bring to the world is, to me, one of the top of the best. 
And I appreciate you saying that. So like when you, I want to get back to the experience because I think it's a big deal. I think it's really important that people understand that, you know, what an outfitter's mindset is like, what is the owner operator thinking like? And I want you to think along those lines is like people that book a hunt with you. We got two different conversations going on here. All of a sudden we got the TV film and deal with us. And then we have um, clients that see the show or clients that have heard word of mouth through Lindley or somebody like y'all need to go see Clay and, and, yeah. and Crystal. So the mindset, though, is you guys are thinking this year round on how to make this experience good because it could be it could get very tedious and very repetitious for you with. Oh God, here comes another group into camp. Put another lasagna in the oven because Crystal's yeah. lasagna, I would never guess that a, a Canadian girl could cook a lasagna like that, but she can. And even Rock Merlot, who's a diehard Italiano, he, yeah. he's like, that's some good lasagna. So yeah. you, you start to think along these lines of these people that book this three-day hunting trip are getting in a, an airport down here in the States. They're getting their passport. They're going through customs. It doesn't sound like a lot, but it's it's a yeah. lot of work. You got to do your your gun declarations. Yep. You have to get your passport. Make sure that it's up to date. Then you land, clear customs with your firearms. Get your rental car. Now you got your GPS done in. Now it's headed towards the lodge. Yep. The anticipation that these people have to get to your camp is on a different level than the anticipation that you and Crystal have for them to get to your camp, or is it? You know, no. Um, that's probably why I'm still doing it the way I do it. Uh, you know, owner operator take them outfitters. I got a staff of you know six guys. Uh, I got some ladies in there as well. And uh, but I'm a part of it every day. I go out every morning. I go out every evening. Um, it's what we love to do. So when a new group arrives, we shoot every group as if it's our first group we're excited we're excited to meet the people we're excited to have them in the lodge and you know we we take a lot of pride in getting out there and showing what we got on the top of the level so every group gets a fresh field every group gets that first opportunity if you will in the area that we're shooting these birds on a new bunch of birds Um, and that means a lot to us and the results speak for themselves on that everybody gets that opportunity as if they were our first customers of the year and they they get up there and you the anticipation though where i'm going with it is this is what this could be their only trip of the year they've been looking forward to this for 365 days now there's got is there pressure on you to perform is it is it you got your scouts out you got earl out you got the boys out making sure that that um you know they finding birds, yeah. accessing the birds, That's permission right. from the farmers, your relationships, your networking. This is a full-time gig year round to yes. where I don't want, I don't want to give anybody the impression that, Oh, you know, September rolls around and clay gets to work. I mean, you just got done with oh, 40 yeah. days in the bush of chasing yep. bears yep. and now you move on to a little bit of fishing. Yep. And then before you know it, it's the end of August and, and you're ready to gear up. You're gearing up again for the waterfowl guys Big to start time. coming in right around September 1st. Yeah. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. Actually, you know, right now I'm driving around every morning, checking out my fields, seeing what ones are peas what ones are barley what ones are wheat um you know that our job really never ends um far as that goes and the anticipation of it for me never goes away i lay in bed at night before i go to bed and think oh man i hope these fields in this area by the sloughs you know got the peas in it this year rotation crop rotation plays a big part in you know distance travel um all that all the uh, overhead of of bird guiding if you will and uh you know yeah, you're, you're stressed about it all the time. I guess if you weren't stressed about it, you know, you didn't feel that way, you wouldn't take that pride in it. Um, it means a lot to us to have every group come and go, whether they've been here one time or, or five times. 
um, just to go out with the same level of expectation for every hunt. It's not, you know, we don't like to see our hunts fall over the hill at, towards the end of the season. We still try to swing the same average, no matter if it's the first day or the last day. So when you say the same average, are you really watching your numbers of how many bookings? Because I know your bookings are through the roof. Through the roof, yeah. They, they, TV is a powerful, powerful tool for messaging and marketing. And you have great word of mouth in the first place because of the service you offer, the hunts that people get to experience up there. And then you add on top of that broadcast TV 52 weeks a year where people are seeing not just the killing, not just the success in the field, but your daughters, how everybody's ingrained in the process, how they're helping clean birds, their 4-H, their horses, this country living, this family living, what family and living is supposed to be. Not that you can't grow up in the city and still right. you know, have an awesome life, but with the way that your daughters are experiencing in life is, is pretty you know lucky for them to be doing that yeah. so that's what we really try to show on these tv shows is that you know this isn't this is a year-round thing that this is a lifestyle that you guys have you left the oil field of yeah. making good money yes sir good money right yeah 100 percent. i climbed the ladder pretty good um you know i was into uh management uh, positions in in the oil field and you know that's a solid paycheck every two weeks to uh to walk away from but been outfitting now since 2007 we started taking outfitters and uh, we, grew, we grew it from two customer bases to uh, a full-time operation at this point where, you know, it's 365 days a year. You're not maybe always hunting in the field, but you're scouting in the field. You're, you're prepping, you're building, you're fixing, you know, you're talking to the next year's customers, the whole meal deal, right? The bookings, it all adds up. And still my wife and I and, and our daughters were a part of every step. So there's nothing that gets by, you know, or falls to the curb. Um, and we, we'll never get to that size where we have to start getting people to take the bookings and, and so on far. So, so, you know, um, I like to be able to talk to the customers always. It's a phone call, get an email. Absolutely. We'll talk over email, but Hey, let's have a talk. Let's figure out what's your schedule. Like when we'll try to work in our best dates we can for you. But if you are looking to book a hunt, it's definitely a year in advance minimum. So if you have, if you, I, I get I get it like it's it's tough to get in now there's there's a waiting list at a, a, a couple places that we've uh, you know worked with and that's humbling to us to know that people are taking our word of hey this is a legit operation but I think that it goes deeper than just showing the the keel like we talked about and I think that that's what we have going now is like your wife is is right here at the studio today she's chilling outside yeah. reading her book having a cold beer and we're all friends and we know that we can go get work done but first and foremost um there there is a friendship now but yeah, that yeah. we also keep in mind that once we're there we're working because we we want to try to to get that story out of that experience of what yeah. people can expect once they get within you know uh, you know close to your vicinity of take them outfitters absolutely and you know it's not always you know 100 percent like that when you said that chad um and i appreciate that but you know it's vice versa when it comes to the same with us when take them outfitters looks like we got chad coming up here um you know you're not the first group of hunters you're not seeing these first birds and and having the easy pickings if you will of the first four weeks of the season you're showing up later season october there's a lot more stress the birds are a little educated so we're all on our a game far as that goes and it's just like you you get up here and you produce and and you i mean you've been doing this for years which is so awesome because when you get up here you know what you need to do you're out there saying okay guys we need to do this we need to do that you know we discuss what way the birds are coming from how we're going to work them but other than that it's two guys out there with the crews 
making it happen. And I'll tell you what, when you get a team that well put together, it makes an episode. The results are staggering. Yeah, and I think that the episodes turned out very well last year. The two episodes that we're doing this year are, are you know, they're just as strong. And we come at a time of year that almost makes you nervous a little bit. It does. Bit. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> it, it's it's more of a challenge. There's no doubt. Um, all And what makes that a challenge is all in the crop, the weather. Um, the crops are coming off early one season. By the time you're getting up there, it's getting late. Uh, you Sometimes you can lose the bigger geese. Uh, the smaller geese are definitely gone. Um, you know, so there's times a year where if we had you up there, you know, you'd be lights out in no time, but, uh, you like shooting the green heads. You like shooting them big mallard ducks. Um, and, and that's, that's what the fowl life's about. I mean, it's wing shooting at its finest and that's what you do. And we get you on some ducks. Look at that duck shoot we had last year towards the end there with Hendo and, and Leith. I mean, that was just another class duck NATO coming in your face and it was selective shooting. You know, that was just a fun trip great hunt with a bunch of good guys and that kind of happened if i remember right there wasn't a whole lot of peas in the area that we went way west right to find those peas yeah and is that normal for that for that part of alberta not to have a lot of peas around you guys no it's 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 a climate you know some springs some falls are all different last year we had a really really wet fall um so we had a struggle as in locating fields so i had to hire extra scouts get on different fields, uh, and I own a big area. We hardly use any of the area that I own, to be honest, but last year we did utilize some new area of my area, and uh, and it was phenomenal. You were there, Chad. It was, uh, the birds were just as thick as bugs on your windshield, um, but when you can find those pea fields that were taken off late, uh, the, the combines can get to because of the wet fall, those birds were in there thick as, you know, thick as grass in the garden <laughs> so your gardens have grass in it i love Our, when you're trying to we, put all <laughs> we have grass everywhere at home <laughs> you do <laughs> yeah not like here yeah i remember that hunt and hendo was just like are you kidding me because the swarms were huge we got out there and it was just one of those days where they they found that fresh pea field and they were going to go in there all day they weren't just yeah. they weren't just feed in the morning in the afternoon it was we started at noon and they were bombing us yeah we we couldn't set up the whole time we were setting up we had you know birds trying to light on top of us it was non-stop from the time we got in the field to the time we left and even when we were rigging up and taking photos you know they were they were photo bombing the from behind us you know they were just thick so what what is the goal then of of take outfitters if it's not the tv crew out there and you just got your guide you know well let's you you get out in the field and you know the ducks are there is it wham bam thank you ma'am let's get our ducks and get out of here and save the field for another time during that week maybe we not got another group in or you see how we do it i'm very selective i yeah. try to get the right shots i know what the camera guys are doing i'm communicating with the field producers yep. i'm trying to get that real life experience of showing those ducks at their finest because ducks are powerful ducks are majestic ducks are beautiful back flapping orange feet big green heads that wind hitting them and you see those little flight feathers sticking up on their wings if you really hone your skills on calling the shot at the right time especially when you got the high resolution cameras going that we do filming in high speed so we can play it back in slow motion we can play it back and tell a story of your outfitting business we can play it back and and listen to the audio sounds of the calling and the ducks working us and the wind blowing and the guns going off and the black cloud you know killing these ducks then I want to be able to throw all those pieces at that blank canvas and create that masterpiece. Yeah. So we're in the field and we're, we're creating that we're yeah. I'm trying to show that when we go to edit it I want the people viewing that to be like 
man, I feel like I'm in that That's blind. Right. And, then, and then it's easier for them to go, I'm in, I'm going, yeah. I'm, I'm biting the bullet. I'm going to invest in this trip. And then the, 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 the hardest part is getting them to book the first time yeah. because it's all a no brainer from there. Once they experience oh, it, they're yeah. coming back. Yeah. So with a regular group though, or your guides are going out there and just being, is it, is it camaraderie? Is it just kill, 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 kill? Are most groups just up there to kill their ducks as fast as they can and get back and have breakfast? Every group's so different. Uh, and we, we, and we feed off of that. It's, your trip so there's guys that like to come out there and say okay these three shoot these three shoot at a different time so those hunts last a little longer for us i mean in the matter of it's as long as the customers are out there having a great time that's what matters to us so some hunts last some guys like to go out there and put the smack down on them to get back and start a gumbo uh there's other groups out there that like to you know hunt once a day so they take their time they like to finish up you know 10 11 o'clock and then we're back and then they got the rest of the day for downtime so but uh yeah it's every group's different on that aspect we 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 feed into that it's their trip that's what we are out there to do is give them their three days of absolute great bird hunting whether they want to be out there for 20 minutes or if they want to be out there for two hours so you just you you kind of let them set the pace yeah until we run out of birds because the birds do quit coming at some point in the morning so yeah but why i mean if you if they're coming hard and you're on the x and they're they're coming to that field to eat they're you know they found that field and they're pinpointed are your guides telling these guys hey we, we're going to get into these first few flocks if you got a group of guys that don't really shoot very well are you saying hey we're only going to shoot into one more of these bunches we're we're not going to educate all these birds. There's a lot that goes into that. Like, or, yeah. or is it just a free for all to where these clients can expect to go up there? And even if they're not killing them, can they, sh- are they going to get to shoot into 30 flocks? Well, we've, we've been definitely, uh, uh, commented on that. They compare us to Argentina. There's no doubt about it, but we're not quite like Argentina. They do stop flying. So 10 o'clock, usually 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at the latest, then birds aren't coming to field no more. They're leaving the field. So you, you're done. Your hunt's done, whether you're limited out or not. So, um, for the groups every now and then, which I've very rarely seen that do struggle on shooting these birds, um, you know, we definitely will mention to them, you know, we don't want to be sitting out here all day, you know, popping shots at these birds because it's going to make it tougher for tomorrow morning's hunt, if you will, da, 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 da. So, you know, we definitely try to do what we do best in the field for our decoy spreads, blinds, um, et cetera, to get these guys where they need to be so they can get the shots on the birds. Some guys can take them birds out there with a 20 gauge, you know, 30, 40 yards, no problem. There's guys out there that can't do it with a 12 gauge, you know, 15, 12 yards. They're maybe too close, but so we, we, we work with the guys, you know, we, we talk to them, everybody, we know who's kind of been hunting birds a long time we know guys that have been this is their second trip uh ever hunting wings so you know we set up for them so and also we know areas that these birds haven't been pressured so they're going to be very vulnerable to come in let's go kill you we got guys that are, hey like we want to find your tough birds we want to work these birds we want to work the calls we want to call these in they get more of a thrill that way if you will so you know we play that out do, do any of the clients ever bring their own dogs um, no, we haven't had a lot of guys bring their own dogs. No, is we, it just because of the travel up there? You think? I think so. It's are most of your guys flying in, or does anybody drive up? Most of the guys fly in. Yeah, ninety ninety eight percent of everybody drives uh, flies up. There's, you know, the odd groups that uh, North Dakota boys will drive up. I got some Louisiana guys that've been driving up for years, but other than that, air is the best way. And flying with a dog is becoming more and more difficult, but as far as the hunt goes are you trying to keep the authenticity um of the of a waterfowl hunt as much as possible meaning 
legit decoy spreads, legit motion, spinning wings, dogs, retrieves, calling. Are you trying to get as much out of your guides as far as being honing their skills? Because here's the deal in Canada, you could probably get away with a lot more. Yeah. You know, and, and still kill your birds. Oh, yeah. Like, so there's a big difference between us just going out and getting a job done. If we were to say, hey, let's go out and get the job done. If we were going to hit the buzzer and have a buzzer at the end to see who could come in the quickest, we could buy a step side, a lot of steps that we do in the field. But when people think waterfowl hunting, Canada, Alberta, Saskatchewan, bird hunting, you got to draw that picture for them because when they get up here, that's what they want to see. They want to see that dog out in the field retrieving that goose. They want to see that goose call come out and work that flight of geese coming in and, you know, putting them on the X. They want to see that decoy spread. They want to see the mojos in the field, um, you know. So you've got to have that picture. I mean, so without that, it's just not, you know, what they're coming up here for. So you want to give them that chill when you're sitting there and all of a sudden that first flock breaks the trees and they see those decoys and they break and they come straight in. It just, it, everybody turns into a 12-year-old boy again on their first hunt. Well, I want to ask you this and don't take it the wrong way, but why is everything such a numbers game to you when it comes to the actual hunt? Because a lot of the pictures I see that you post are the birds in the shape of the number of how many were killed that day doesn't it mean more than that to the client of killing them or do, are most clients that go up there geared at getting the century mark getting to the hundred mark like is that i mean i i get it they're taking time out of their lives they're spending big hard-earned money to go up there it's a it's a it's a lot to get to yeah, canada absolutely. so is it more than that to you or do you do that to show your to show your audience like look man our numbers are here we're killing them I just think that a picture is better suited if it's not just in the shape of a number or is that like a marketing plan that y'all use? Well, you know, that's a good question, Chad. That's actually a really um, go many different directions. But at the same point, you can look at it on several different angles. My angle from the outfitter's point of view, um, you know, I get hunters that come up all the time, new guys every day through the season and first thing they want to say after the first 25 minutes in camp they say i cannot wait to get that photo of me to put on the canvas in the wall because at the end of the day that trip is only a memory that's all you get to take after the end of the at the end with your home is that memory so to me in all our aspect in in whether we're whitetail we're wolf we're, we're black bear we're, we're, we're ducks or geese if you look at Take'em Outfitters photos, they stand out amongst a lot of different outfits. Um, we take a lot of time. It's a photo shoot. Believe you me, to set up that picture that you see with the number, that's not a five-minute scramble. You know, we set that field up. We, we, there's times we have to take, you know, a stubble and set it out the background them geese to make them pop in the photo. Um, but the customers, it's all about the customers. You don't go to a family photo shoot and sit down for two seconds on a hay bale in a storm and get a picture taken. You, it's a it's a photo shoot every morning's a photo shoot everybody gets that quality picture um there's a lot of other photos we take you know a guy with his first banded bird or a quill quill lake bird if you will but uh yeah she's she's all in about that memory and that's all you got at the end of the day to sit there and show grandpa or your mom or your sister so does it have to be the number always now the one that i like that you take is up on the hay trailer right yeah that's, that's one cool of our favorite that's one of our favorites a tough one to do boy i'll tell you you start stacking over 100 birds on a trailer on top of each other those feathers are slippery man they just slide and you get eight guys on top of there and somebody gives a little wiggle and the whole stack falls over but uh no it's a powerful photo 
everybody likes to go home and, and show their buddy and their friends. And, and, and again, from my point of view, it's a huge selling point. People come up and go, wow, you did that in 40 minutes. I want to do it. That just looks epic. I couldn't imagine what that 40 minutes can consist, you know, of reloading and birds and retrieving and, you know, reload your barrels hot. I mean, it's just, it's just sometimes chaos, but, uh, you know, it's, it's great chaos. It's controlled chaos. Um, and uh, the photos scream results. And at the end of the day, you know, that on my side of it, that is what it's about. It's the results. From the hunter's point of view, you know, they, there's some guys that want to just picture with a couple of birds. That's fine. We do the trailer pictures. That's a lot of our photos. Um, but the number of pictures are pretty cool. If you can break that 100 mark, it's a, it's a powerful statement. I think it is too. Then what though? I mean, are these guys, are they eating, do you, your clients eat a lot of birds? And I know Lindley does. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're cutting, they're cutting the legs off these specks and these mallards are making gumbos and Hearts A2 and gizzards. Them. I mean, sh- I, I tell you what, I'm, I'm lucky at the end of the season to have much bird for myself and the family. These guys eat a lot of birds. A lot of guys take their birds home. It's very easy to take them home. They, we get the coolers right here at, uh, at the lodge and uh, everything's froze, cleaned and processed, ready for, you know, however you want to dress them up for the oven. And away you go, frozen on a plane uh, and until and you get home. But uh, fill the coolers up, and away they go. So most of my Cajun guys all take their, their birds back. It's, uh, you'd have an arm wrestle not, you know, trying to take them from them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they love their birds. Well, love I them. mean, yeah, I mean, Cajuns, are, they'll eat, they eat squirrels. Yeah, they yeah. shut the schools down for school, squirrel season. <laughs> they do? Opening day. There's places, there's places that I've heard. Louisiana does. I'm not, I'm yeah. Somewhere in the South. Yeah. That I will shut the school down for opening day of squirrel season. Tell me about Huck a little bit. Huck's a good man. He's uh, going on year three with us. Um, But I'll tell you what, he's as hard working as they come. Uh, Just a loyal man. He's seems to kick it off with everybody. I don't care if you're straight out of the city or if you're, or you lived in the bush your whole life. He's just one of those guys that get along with everybody, him and Earl um it's it's your staff that makes you a company you know it's not a one-man team never is uh you're only as good as the people you surround yourself with so no huck's just an awesome guy he gets right in there um if there's somebody doing something he's doing it with them so is he a good waterfowl was he a waterfowl hunter before you met him no no he uh he did a lot of in the bush in the yukon uh gold mining he did a bunch of that heavy he's ticketed heavy mechanic ticket on in his pocket and uh He's got all kinds of skills. He can build a log home with a pencil and a scriber, chainsaw, you know, and he can kill birds right beside the best of them. So, you know, he does a lot of whitetail hunting with us as well, and he helps out with the wolf. So what, he built a home with a what? A Doesn't pen- he, does, he lives in a home that he built out of? He lives in an absolute beautiful log home. He built him and his wife with a chainsaw, a pencil, and a scriber. A scriber is uh, what you put the pencil in with a bubble so it traces one log outlined to the other to the next log that sits above it so you can cut the grooves out so they sit together i'll tell you what i'd still be still trying to build that house no you wouldn't even try no, i wouldn't try Mm-mm. and he did it he did it by him the first time and just out of the blue and he did an amazing the house is beautiful <clears throat> how far is it from the lodge about 10 minutes down the gravel road so it's pretty close yeah so did you grow up with huck no huck's right out of new jersey He's from Jersey. He's a, he's a, Chuck's an American. He is straight out of New Jersey. No way. Like city man. Really? Yeah, man. Has he still got the beard? He's still got the beard. Actually, he's flying down to New Jersey to see his parents uh, tomorrow. 
He's really? gone for the summer. He'd be gone for two months. Really? Yeah. Is his wife going, family Yeah, the whole family's gone down there. Um, he, he ended up in Canada. He played hockey for high-end, high-level hockey for, for several different outfits there for when he was young. Ended up in Bonneville, and then one day he just said, I'm hanging up the skates. Hung up the skates. Just, when you look at him, you see hockey all over him. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you, you kind of do. I mean, yeah. you could tell that dude can throw down a little oh, bit. Yeah. Uh, you don't want to mess with Huck. No. wonder not. what would have happened if him and Hendo would have went uh, at it. I don't know. Hendo would probably have to sit down and have a beer, and Huck would probably have to. Go to the hospital? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of Hendo? Did you like Hendo? Oh, Hendo. Man, I couldn't tell you more of a humble man than I've ever met in my life. Um, he'd sit down and, you know, listen to anybody talk to any child, um, shake the hand of any person, take the time out of his day just to, uh, to say hi and get a picture taken with you. Uh, I know one of my main guides, Kylie's boys, it's, uh, he's a huge idol of Hendo and Hendo took the time out of the day to get some nice pictures and, uh, sit down and have a talk with Broden and whatnot. So, and yeah, just a straight up guy. Loved out, loved to be out in the field. It was a pleasure watching Hendo in the field. Leith, those guys were great. Um, we jammed every night to some country tunes, you know. Didn't get too carried away every night, but we'll tell you what, that music keeps you up. Do you like Lee's music? What? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I, need, I, need, I need some CDs. That's all I keep telling him. You know, he's in the studio. He just got done in Zach Brown's studio in Nashville. He's, he's got a new album coming out here pretty quick. I can't wait. That man's got talent. You think he does? Yes, sir. As in what? His, his, the way he can write a, mu- write a song is unbelievable. And the way he sings it. We threw that party, uh, that concert in Cold Lake. Um, man, he had everybody in that whole building standing up in front of him, bouncing in front of him, dancing all night long. Yeah, he's, uh, he's got some serious, serious talent. I've been telling him for years, like, dude, your songwriting's on a different level, man. Your, your stage presence, your guitar playing, he's a freaking picker, man. And then he can, he's got a delivery that he can just sing and make you, he just, everybody falls in love with him. Yeah, Leith Lofton is phenomenal. Like, one of the highlights of my whole career is having him in there picking the guitar. 10 o'clock at night, still, everybody's sitting there going, one more beer, one more song. Next thing you know, she's 11.30, and everybody's still saying the same words, one more beer, one more song. And, uh, yeah, the man's a champ. He's uh, in Hendo. Like, you know, Hendo's, you know, he's loves to hunt big game. His first yeah. waterfowl hunt was the year before with me in Oklahoma. Okay. And he fell in love with it. Yeah. And now he just loves the... Uh, he loves this, you know, to see the birds working, and 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 both of them are kind of the same way. That they'll they love the beauty in it, but they both love pulling that trigger. Yeah. Leith had wrote a song one time called "Load 'Em Up, Keep Pulling That Trigger." It was called "Free Bullets." Really? Yeah, because you know we were shooting black yeah. cloud, and we were in Can- we were in Kansas on the Arkansas River, and he's just like, "Load 'Em Up, Keep Pulling That Trigger," and that's kind of Leith's theory. He likes to that's... he like I don't even know why he how he became a turkey hunter. Since you don't get to shoot enough, no, and, and one Leith, shot. Leith likes to really get into a, a a good good hot barrel session. He liked that Canada deal. Oh yeah, well. You know, and I, I know Hendo, he shook my hand at the end, and, you know, he said he's coming back some point, someday. But just to have, you know, a legend like that, that man's, you know, who he is, whatnot, under my roof, never thought that would ever happen. To have you, you know, show up every year like you do, I'm, sh- I'm telling you, it was years ago. I watched you on TV, and I was like, that guy is, I, you know, throw it a wicked TV show, and the way you called your ducks, the enthusiasm you show every day on what you do got me going and it just it yeah it's been a quite a ride but it's uh been a really interesting and fun ride 
Yeah, and I mean, I, I'm not afraid to admit it. We, we expect a lot of the people that we work with because we know we're going to deliver. And, and sometimes it takes a little bit of time or a couple years or seasons under your belt to get used to that. But the end result is all I care about. I mean, the friendship's 100%. there, but I'm not going to go up there and go through the motions. No. And that's why I want to bring somebody like Hendo up there and Leith up there and tell the story and show, yeah. hey, now here we are. We got our music. We got our campfire. We got our meal. We got our wild animals on the Traeger. We got Hendo. We got all these different walks of life. Now we're way up north of Edmonton and we're enjoying the outdoors and and that's kind of what we want to lay out in these episodes absolutely I mean it's nice to strive for uh you know punch where you you, a storyline if you will on every episode and you do a great job of that uh and we we love and when you bring up your guest and uh meet these gentlemen and, and ladies they're just a great bunch of people I know if you're hanging around them they're good people so we look forward to it every year what what do you think is uh what's it playing out like this year is it is the is everything on time up there it's messed up down here with all the rains and this wicked spring i mean there's a lot of arkansas that's not planted a lot of the different midwest states mississippi flyway are not planted no corn in the ground is it the same up there has it been a pretty tough year to get things in the ground i'll tell you what we had a we had the craziest winter i've seen in 20 years and we've seen more snow than i have since i was a kid 39 years old now um and my guess was, man, we're going to have a long, drawn-out spring. Well, that couldn't have been more wrong. We lost our snow in a matter of two weeks. Um, first of April, we had no snow on the ground just about. Well, I was throwing bear baits out by the 5th of April. It was three weeks earlier than most years that in the past. Next thing you know, she warmed right up, and uh, spring took off. So the birds came back early, came back heavy. And uh, I've never seen a hatch like I have this year. The goslings are just everywhere. Uh, the ducks, of course, aren't having hatched yet. And if they are, they're just starting. But they're usually a little later than the geese. But the geese, the goslings are just everywhere. It's impressive. And it's so amazing to see so many numbers. So there's a lot of local Canada's around. Oh, yeah. Well, we, we, we end up having a, you know, a local hatch of geese and ducks that's, you know, mind staggering. That's, they start, you know, anywhere from just south of us and they work all the way up. Especially the greater geese, you know, we, that's where they all kind of the nesting grounds are, is northern Alberta, all the way up. The lessers, the snows, the specks, they head up to the tundras. But those bigger geese, they kind of hang around, you know, that northern part of Alberta. So what is a normal season like in that part of Alberta? You explain it a little bit. How, where, as far as geographically, are you located? And is it kind of the first agriculture that a lot of these wild ducks and geese see when they leave the tundra, when they leave the breeding grounds and they start moving south in late August and early September? Are they flying over the forest in the bush and then all of a sudden they're like, dinner? Yeah. Or how does it work in that area? I mean, that's exactly what it is. I mean, we'll take, uh, we'll take the customers up and we'll be in a field, grain field, shooting up against the big pine trees. They're looking and they're like, wow, these are all big forests and we're sitting in this 100-acre barley field. And I'll be like, guys, there's not a field beyond us from the, to the north to the Arctic Circle at this point. That's the first of the first. They break those trees, we're it. Um, these geese get in there, they don't know what to do with themselves in the fall. You got all the juveniles and, uh, and mature geese and they all get in there and it's a it's a food fest we raise some rich crops the crops you were mentioning yeah the crops got all in they're all in early this year at home the crops are looking really good there's a lot of peas again this year pea prices went up a little bit so everybody's got some peas in the ground this year it's going to be a phenomenal year but those geese take full advantage of it come september 1st so you're saying that this year there'll be more peas than there were last year around your general area yeah i've seen a lot more pea fields this this spring than i have last year 
So when do you start like getting this this vibe? When do you start burning to get started? Is it now or start driving around right now? Like in the last week, the the all the seeds are starting to sprout, and you can tell the difference in a field now. What what crops what? You can tell it's a corn crop. You can tell it's a wheat crop. You know you can't tell wheat and barley apart, but you can tell it's a wheat crop versus a pea crop versus canola. You know, so you kind of do your routes. You start checking on those fields. You talk to the farmers. I talk to the farmers all the time. How's How's the progress of the crops, germination, what they look like? When when do they figure that they're going to be harvesting? You know, because if they harvest those pea crops late, because of the first crops. If they get late, well, then our season gets into a bind come, come September 1st. So um, everything's on schedule. You know, we could use a little more rain this year. We've had a dry month, but uh, that's not affecting the crops yet to this point. But forecast is we're supposed to see some good rain this next week, so... In a normal season is, is what is it open September 1st? September 1. So in the, so Alberta duck and goose season opens September 1. Are you booked right away? Do, do Americans come up that early? Yeah, we start on August 31st, guys roll into camp. September 1st, we're in the field. Really? And is it hot still? Yeah, it's warm. Like, <laughs> your language and my language here, Fahrenheit and Celsius, um, it's 20 degrees Celsius, which is probably putting you in 75 to 80 in there during the days you might see a touch of frost in the mornings that 32 in the mornings in that september but uh, that don't last long sunrise sun comes up you're in a t-shirt running around in a ball cap so you're saying 20 degrees celsius is 75 fahrenheit it's got to be close no way well no 30 degrees is 90 30 degrees is or 85 something like that i don't know who starts anything at 32 right 32 is freezing and zero it should be zero. <laughs> so it's 20 degrees is 68 degrees. I was close. close. Yeah. So how, what, how do they break that down mathematically? Oh, is it a, times three plus eight? It is a weird, <laughs> I, it's a, actually a very simple formula. I'm, I'm not formula. sure exactly how it's cut down. My, I got to learn this. My old man knows it, but Celsius. That's to, a good question for everybody. Text Chad. Yeah. We're uh, Celsius to Fahrenheit formula. Um, Fahrenheit is a finer cut. So it's zero zero degrees Celsius times nine fifths plus thirty two equals thirty. What the yeah. frick? That <laughs> so zero degrees Celsius is thirty thirty two. Yep. So that's freezing. Is, freezing. Which which I knew that, but I'm just trying to figure out what the exact formula is. Um, it's like docking your car parked in the yard. It's doing thirty two miles an hour right now. It makes no sense. No, it's nine fifths though. Yeah. It's a finer cut to, uh, reading. So Fahrenheit, you can get a v- much more accurate gauge on your temperature versus Celsius. There's just bigger increments. Yeah. Um, minus 50 degrees Celsius is minus 58 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah. And minus 40 Celsius and minus 40 Fahrenheit is equal. It's the same. It's the exact yeah. same. Yeah. Oh, now we're learning. That's cold, this. by now the way. Really cold. That's cold. We so, see about a week of that in Alberta at least once a year. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a weird conversion. Yeah. It's really, uh, I guess I'm just really dumb. Miles and kilometers, 1.6, you know, we all got to have our different ways of measuring shit. Yeah. With Canadians, you can say that. Does you guys cuss in Canada? Every now and then. What is, what is the normal season then? You can, September 1st, you got groups rolling in. Now, is it a, is it just a freaking slam fest every day starting yeah. right then? I don't like 
shooting mallards when they're brown. You're right. And there's a lot of guys that, and that's how we kind of work the groups. We talk to them. They say, what are you looking for? You want colored ducks? You're going to shoot them later and towards October. You want just, you want to shoot birds? You come up early September. Um, Cause they are brown ducks. The, the drakes and the hens pretty all look alike. The sprigs, they all look like a hen, if you will. You know, you're only allowed so many pintail out of your daily possession anyway. So, um, but yeah, your colored ducks aren't in September, but everybody likes shooting wings. It's just kind of like shooting doves. It's hot barrels, hot coffee, and a good time. And it, you know, the hunt, the hunt part of it, they're experiencing all this killing, but getting up there, do you guys assist in all of this as well? Can that, can we lean on you and, and your team to help us with the declaration of oh, what, yeah. what customs is going to yeah. be asking us? Is it, yeah. is there a website that you send somebody to and say, print these documents off? Do you make it as easy as possible yeah. for your, your yeah. clients? My wife, Crystal, she takes care of all that. Once we get the, the dates and whatnot locked down, Crystal takes over from there. She's got a email package. She'll email out to the customer inside there to be, your your waiver forms your contract um your declaration link so you go on there you click the button you print off um she has the easy spreadsheet on how to fill it out do not sign it until you're at the border kind of thing um your win number your phone number uh to get the win number yeah she has it all spread out it's a very very simple uh uh, process once you get that package the wife's got it laid out very easily friendly is have you ever had anybody that that comes up and gets smoked at the border for a, a prior arrest you know what we've been unbelievably lucky we make sure that we ask everybody because it's coming into canada yeah dui will stop you from coming into canada it's considered a federal crime one, one dui one you one dui it's all it takes now you can get that pardoned as well so i tell people if you have one call up the border security there and on and canada and, and the u.s they'll give you a link if you decide to get a pardon you can go get a pardon. I think they're 500 bucks and away you go. Um, but yeah, most of, most times we have that discussion long before anything's transaction, before anything takes place. So everybody knows what they're up against. Yeah. Because I've heard of people that get to the border with a DUI and just like get back on the next flight, won't let them in. So it's a kind of our job to make sure that we go through all that steps just to make sure everybody knows what they need to get up here and have a great trip. And, uh, you know, that is our job. So to be professional, you got to cover all them bases. Yeah, because there's rules. There's how many guns can you bring in? Yeah, three there's, guns. There's how many? How many can you? And you can get an extension on that, from what I know. <clears throat> I think so. Here. And then there's how many? There, you can only bring in so much ammo that's yep. in in the original manufacturer's eight, packaging. Yeah, eight or ten boxes a man. Um, Do you offer ammo for yeah. more? Yeah, oh yeah. We, actually, we supply most of the in in my the way we offer our package. It's a package deal. It's all inclusive, so it includes all your bird processing, all your ammo, all your licensing, uh, all your lodging everything other than you got to get to my lodge and your gratuity to the guides and the cook so i sign up i get there what if i don't have a gun you got a gun i can uh, yeah, use yeah we have gun rentals you rent as them? well yep. rent, so you can you can be a one-stop shop pretty much yep. you get there with your long underwear and your socks and maybe some you probably have some bibs somebody can oh yeah you. we got all kinds of get up i mean you dress like a you're a weird <laughs> ass dresser i'm not gonna i i still wear my work clothes um but uh no we do we have we have benelli sitting in the lodge there they're a pretty good gun. You think so? <laughs> <laughs> the 
they're a pretty good gun. So a guy can get there, a guy and a girl or whoever this this hunt group gets there. That, I mean, they're sitting on their fat asses the entire time while you guys are cleaning the birds, you're doing the cooking, you're making the beds. I mean, it's a five star kind of experience for for your clients after it's, they and it can be epic, epic hunting. Yeah, it's great hunting. It's world class hunting, and and uh, you know depends there's guys that i can't keep them tied down they're out there helping the bird cleaners clean birds uh i got guys that out there helping pick willows for the next morning shoot you know but uh yeah you can just come and go as you please sit around the fire you know chill sit on you know on the deck you can go for a horse ride if you want i mean it's 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 your vacation trip so it's depending on what you want to do take a nap a nap's a great thing boy oh my gosh <laughs> especially in like a cool dark room with yeah. no light sneaking through the windows yeah. blackout blinds a little fan mm-hmm. going maybe a little air conditioning maybe a, after right a after a hunt. little morning hunt with mm-hmm. a breakfast oh yeah crystal, you sleep. crystal throws down on a little brunch yeah and you're just like i'm gonna go take a little nap yeah and then you wake up and then it's the fun part about canada is the scouting yeah oh you get yeah. in the truck with you and your guides and cool and uh you know you got a cold beer maybe on a dirt road and you're you're i mean you're the scouting's fun yeah because it's so abundant you got so many opportunities and so many choices well that's the thing i've had i've got bird hunters that have hunted waterfowl for 40 years come up on their first trip to alberta it's my favorite people um they get up here and we go on an evening scout and you get over there and you pull over and you're sitting there you're looking at this field of it's barley field if you will you know and these geese are breaking a tree line dropping in you know and they're just one little flock after another and you're like oh man we're gonna get in there in the morning have a lot of fun these guys just look at you and you know like you had three heads we're not gonna kill a bird in that field they think you know where they hunt how they hunt they're like that's not even possible well you go out there the next morning and show them what how it really works in alberta they just lose respect for waterfowl if you will it's on another level and you think that do you think that it's going to continue this this do the flyways ever change up there you know down here a lot of people are talking like yeah these these migration routes are changing you know arkansas is not like what used to be corn no-till farming um you know the different river systems that birds are following the different weather patterns the weak winter last year no snow not pushing the birds canada even though Canada did have some issues last year, there wasn't, you know, lessers were tougher last year to decoy in a lot of areas of Canada. Snow geese were very difficult yep. because of the snow that covered up the hatch and killed a lot of the goslings. There wasn't a lot of juvie birds. But as a whole, do you think that it's consistent? Just you can depend on Canada because Canada hasn't been like a destination for as long as people think. No. People back in the 80s weren't really flooding into Canada to kill a mallard duck or Canada no, goose. No, but there's exactly. They, but we didn't have the agriculture back in the 80s as we do now we got a lot more open timber now um so that flyway is a huge um aspect to our the you know the success of our waterfowl hunting um i think our migratory route is going to stay pretty consistent for many years to come um the only way that i could see that really dramatically changing if something in the territories if you will the nesting grounds changed in some aspect but uh, if that all stays consistent, those birds are going to come right out of there and head right over top of us on their way down to the south. Now, I know they get short-stopped from the, some of those southern states. Um, guys are keeping open water, and they're getting feed and whatnot. But we're in between them and the nesting ground still. And so as long as that stays consistent, I don't see a change in it. Uh, if anything, it gets better. We got more and more agriculture getting opened up every year, and uh, we're just seeing more and more birds it seems like every year the bird hunting just gets better and better 
what um as far as getting better and better are you saying that you are experiencing more birds longer longer you know periods of time to where you can you can easily have success all the way in we're up there in mid-october yeah you know october 10th through the 15th and there and we're still crushing birds so it's almost a misnomer that you know there's a lot of places that are opening down here in the states around the beginning of october in the state that we're at right now we open in october the first saturday and then goose is usually the second saturday right and we're up there way north seven eight hundred miles north and we're still crushing birds yeah. thousand miles north and you guys still have them oh yeah and if the winter stays back and you know we have a late fall then birds will hang out with us until the end of season end of season for us is december 16th i've shot ducks right into december 16th uh, as long as there's open water those ducks will stay and, and what's the earliest you've seen them get out of there on a freeze or oh something? i've seen them leave you know last week october they're gone like you won't find a bird now the ducks by the 20th of october 25th october they're starting to gear up or the geese i'm sorry are starting to gear up and get out of town their waters if they if their their water freezes over they're pretty well gone them ducks will keep a little pothole open somewhere and you'll have some great little duck shoots you know in november why don't you hunt water more why don't canadians concentrate on water more that's like the uh, outfitters i don't understand it's called waterfowl hunting it's kind of like walking to the store to get milk or jumping in a car and go to the store and get milk you know what i'm saying so you're saying you're lazy yeah it's just a whole lot more work to hunt that water if you know what i mean you can drive out in the field you can wear your flip-flops you can wear shorts um you understand that we're waterfowl yes 100 so we're talking about drawing that picture a little while ago about how we hunt Yes, we have to do a waterfowl hunt, so we go out and do the waterfowl hunt, but it's dry fields at home. Now, there is a lot of good puddle shooting. Uh, ponds, you know, you get a little slough where these ducks are coming back and forth, and, and they're fun. You get in there and get on them, um, but it's if it's, a cold, if it's getting cold out now, your dog's getting cold, the hunter's getting cold. It's a lot of fun, but at the end of the day, everybody would rather come back dry, you know, take off their, their running shoes or their hunting hiking boots, if you will, and... Uh, a clean gun to go out with every morning you know it's just a lot less you know maintenance. are you taking a chance of blowing a roost if you go hunt the we, water we definitely don't shoot roost um it's uh, you know i'm totally against shooting the roost at home just because you shoot that roost and birds are gone if you shoot the fields they just fly back to the roost and change fields but uh, those roosts are important to us um and uh you know to take out eight guys out on a, on, on a big body of water takes a lot more equipment, a lot more time. It's just a whole lot, a whole nother ball game. What if I want to? What if you want to? Yeah, I'm, a pay, uh, I'm a paying client and I want to hunt water. Do, well, I gotta, do I have to tell you that going into the booking? Yeah, I would. If you said, hey, listen, I, I'm, I, I want to hunt water, you know, when I come up there at least once, you know, we'll go get you on a, on a, on a puddle do you, shoot. Do you even have floating decoys? Yeah, we got floating decoys. Um, Two of them. I can tell you how many times we use them though, but, uh, no, we, we, we definitely would go out and do a puddle shoot if we could find one in the vicinity close. Have enough. you ever been on a lights out banger in over water on a puddle in a, we've done, we've shot, this is funny. We, one time in October, we had an early snowfall and we had, uh, it snowed a foot and it melted. And now all of a sudden these little crevices out in the, in the grain fields fill up with water. Well, those little crevices filled up with water and ducks you go set up on them. I'm telling you, that's lights out fun right there. But that's a one-off. That doesn't happen a lot. Um, but when it does, it, we take full advantage of it. It's a lot of fun. 
but if I do want to hunt water and I'm driving on a scouting trip and I look over and see a pond just yeah. hammered, you're going to say, we're not hunting that. That's a roost. That's right. We're going to hunt them in the field. Yeah, we'll find the field they're going to. And then we'll shoot them Do you the ever field. have any back, you know, like just arguing or anything from clients? No. That Do you ever get a know-it-all up there? That's No, those guys are like, for the, those guys that hunt water, when they get up to me and they get to hunt dry field, that's like a whole nother, a whole nother world. So for them, they just freak out. They think it's the coolest thing in the whole world to get to go and shoot a dry field. I mean, we're going to shoot a bird. We're going to shoot a goose in a dry field, a duck and it just ain't right. You know, for them, it's, they just still, every, at the end of the hunt, at the end of three days, they stand back and go, this is just crazy. So for them, it's, it's a pretty, pretty uh, different deal. And I think that's half of why they like to come up here. You know, everybody has their, you know, special hunts and every province has their clicks about their hunts. You got the flooded timber, Arkansas, you know, you got the South Louisiana hunting and you got the Alberta, Saskatchewan hunting. Those dry fields, it's just a class of its own. Yeah, because out of all my time going to Canada, the only time that I've ever really hunted water is when I said, hey, we need to get a water hunt. Yeah. We want to do it if, you know, if I'm with an outfitter. Well, we hunt with two outfitters in Canada. You know Grant Kuypers yep. in Saskatchewan, and we hunt with you and Crystal and Takeham in Alberta. But back in the day when I was rolling with Zinc, man, we would, we'd be all over Saskatchewan, and we would be freestyling more right. of, of, you know, finding areas, and we'd find ducks and get on water, and it would be amazing. Yeah, crush and, and, and you guys, outfitters in that area, probably hate us for doing that. Yeah, you know, the only time I think, uh, you know, guys hunting water, I think, is when you're struggling. Um, you're going to lean to the water because you can get on them and get in there and, and, and put a shoot on them. But if you got the option to get in a dry field, you're going to keep your birds around them much longer than if you just get on the water. You shoot them birds up the water, they'll move 20, 30 miles. They're gone. Oh, heck, they could move 400 miles. Yeah, but you, you're always getting new birds in that area. So. Always. Yes, uh, our migration usually really starts really strong about the 10th of September, and it'll start coming in heavy. And it'll go until about the second week of October. And then after that, it'll start petering out. Then you're only pretty well left with your larger can Canadians that are still just local birds and your ducks. And why do ducks stay longer than Canada's? They can live in a five-gallon bucket. All winter long, they'd be happy. I'm sure of it. They, they don't take a lot of water to stay happy. They'll sit in a little creek, a little inlet, something like that. And uh, I think last year, I took a picture of it in mid-January, end of January. I, I seen a flock of seven mallards flying from cold lake south and i was wondering where the heck would those ducks come from but i learned that we're by the fish hatchery by cold lake there's a an inlet if you will and it stays open and these ducks were staying in there i couldn't believe it it was minus 30 for a week straight and these ducks stayed you know the last ones to leave but what is the uh what is the normal time that you're saying that on a normal year you're going to see more ducks later than you're going to see big Canada geese? Oh yeah, these big 14, Always. 15 pound Canadas are going to get out of there before a little mallard. Hundred percent, yeah. Big geese will leave. They'll leave, you know. And when the water, the big lake freezes over, the geese are gone. Those ducks, they'll sit in a, a little creek. They'll sit in whatever. They'll have a hole the size, you know, twenty yards by twenty yards, and they'll have it right where you couldn't flick a nickel in there and hit the water. There'd be so many ducks. You know, they hang tight, they, they hang up, and I've shot ducks into to the last day of bird season in Alberta, 100%. When is that? December 16th. December 16th, you can hunt ducks and geese? Yeah. Really? Our season I goes thought it was November. September 1 to December 16th. And you've shot mallard ducks all the way up to the, nine days before Christmas. Do you have Christmas in Canada? Yeah, <laughs> that's where Santa Claus comes from. 
Really? <laughs> well, these, you know, it's his backyard. It's not far from the North Pole. How? Front yard. Yeah, front yard. Back. Front, yeah, it'd be the yeah. front yard. It depends on what way you're looking at the house. <laughs> so you, so December sixteenth, you've actually had success. Yeah. You would never no, book. A, you would never Ooh. book a group of clients never. that late. Why not? Oh, I mean, you know, you roll the dice heavily. Some years you won't see them. They'll be gone mid November. What's the latest? You'll absolute latest. You'll book a group till. Oh, I end October. So if a guy says I got November fifth through the tenth open, I want to come. No. Would you say, hey, we'll do it. We'll take your money and we'll guide you. But the chances are slim and none. Yeah, if he I, wants to experience like, you know, frostbite and shit. Yeah, I tell him this. I, I've told guys this too, because I'm. it's not about taking anybody's money. I just tell him, you book a whitetail home with me in November. And when you're done shooting your deer, we'll go shoot some geese. That's how it works. Really? Yeah. Are you 100% sold out on the whitetail hunts? 100%. Really? Yeah. Is Rocky coming back? Yes. So he really screwed the pooch last year on a whitetail hunt or what? Hey, he had a great time. Rocky's such a good character. I'll tell you what, man. I, he is a true gentleman. Um, he had his first trip chasing big-bodied northern Alberta bush deer. And I'll tell you what, we blew the wheels off this guy. He didn't know what to do. He had he had a big drop-tine buck in front of him. He let walk. He had a big old shaggy buck. He called him shaggy, big set of horns on this deer. We don't know his size class because he happened to shoot him on his third last day or second last day, and we didn't find him. But uh, big deer. He's seen anywhere from, you know, two to 15 deer every day. Yeah, we, we knocked his socks off. He had a absolute, him and his buddies, they had a great trip. What did you, did you call him Rock? I called him Rock. Or did you call him Rocky? Rock. I don't know, Rock. I'm pretty sure it's always Rock. So what, did, did he have a chance to kill a deer? Like, a, did he shoot at a deer? Oh, he wound, yeah, he shot a deer. He did? Mm-hmm. Sorry, Rock. <laughs> and what happened? Um, He, he. He just guessed his range under, I think he under ranged him and he hit him a little high and, uh, uh, above the, then above the lungs, no man land. We put the track on him there for probably four hours and he's just kept walking circles around us. So he wasn't vitally hit, but a heck of a deer. So does a deer like that survive? Yeah. We, if he didn't bed down, he never bedded down once, uh, in four hours of tracking that deer. So, um, he wasn't hurt too badly. More than likely, he survived unless some bad infection sets in. But yeah, we never did see any sign of hair of him ever again. So, and do you rip Rocky's ass that night? No, it happens. It's uh, it's the way the way the cookie crumbles. But uh, you know, he got the got the got to see it. I know he was upset with himself for losing the deer, but uh, he'll be back this year and see if he can. He already himself. rebooked. Oh yeah, he rebooked before he left. Was he did? Yeah, he gave you a deposit before he left. Yeah he's 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 excited he's, he's been hard. talking about it he loved it man was he fun to be with in camp oh yeah he brought up some buddies of his man it was a great week it was did, a great time did he bring any wine or did you guys have wine we had wine he bought a box of wine you know there was there was you know some big deer brought in the camp while he was there some 180s and whatnot and i mean they, he he got to see what was what was out there and uh yeah we turned him into a hardcore white tail hunter what do you prefer as an outfitter what you just got done with 50 days in the bush, 40 days in the bush yeah. for bears. Did you guys have a good bear season? Knocked it out of the park again this year. It was a phenomenal season. Success rate was 110%. Well, it can't be 110%. Every one of your clients harvested a bear. Every one of my customers harvested a bear except for one lady. So it wasn't 100%. It would have been. She, she was in the parking lot in town and she was an older lady and she fell and broke her hip. Really? Yeah. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. It kind of was a, kind of sucks she's a close uh customer of ours and uh 
actually they were happy it all worked out the way it did because she got it all fixed up here for nowhere near what it cost back there so it worked out well on her aspect but she did not shoot a bear it was the only customer out of uh 1800s that didn't shoot a bear isn't it weird for somebody to shoot a bear in canada while it's eating cereal or honey or whatever the hey, i'm telling you you guys feed them the weirdest shit up there yeah. well, give me an idea of what goes into your I'll, bait piles i'll tell you right now you want to think it's easy to kill it well you know it's easy to kill a bear i won't say that it is easy to kill a bear all you do is got to go put a little effort in the bush but we don't just kill bears we kill big mature boars um that's a whole nother level of hunting why that's uh aren't well, you just shooting what comes in no shoosh no no oh. most of our hunters will see 50 bears on uh each so your hunters hunt. are qualified enough to know what a big boar is we as sit, opposed to a little sow we sit with most of our hunters really yeah that's no why our average on our bears are much larger than most outfitters what about deer hunt you sit with them no deer we do not sit with them why? sorry uh that's a long cold sit <laughs> so the bear hunt's not a long cold sit no you only hunt the evenings so in the evenings this time of year it's not cold no when is bear season Spring? uh we usually kick it off on the first of may so it's it's warmed up yeah so you have no problem being out in the bush no we and, live in and is huck helping with this not bears no he only hunts uh helps with the waterfowl the wolf and uh the whitetail he's well, busy doing his garden kind of lives off the grid he, he's he puts in a huge garden he lives off that garden all winter so he uh he takes care of the the home chores there for the part of the spring so what is it's you and is it earl or me and kylie and kelly so you have three guides, you yeah. and two others, yeah. and almost 100% of your clients in a bear sit. Is there any that you will send out there on their own? Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, if you've hunted bears with me before, you know what you're looking at. You know, we got a target bear. We always have a target bear we're going after. How is it targeted? Is it on, do you have camera cameras. shots? You have, oh, yeah. You have cameras it. everywhere. You got, if you're going to kill big, mature animals consistently, you got to run a camera to know what's going on on these baits. I run 30 baits. On an average, we have anywhere from 90 to 100 bears every night on the baits. Really? Yeah, every night. And are you, are you, is it one day, two days? Is it, how often do these guys kill out on the first or second day on a bear hunt? It seems to me that if that bear knows that food's in that barrel, <laughs> that no. they're coming every them day. Big to bears, them big bears, sometimes you can sit a month and not see them. He'll be a nocturnal bear. Sometimes them big boars, they, they're like So a then wolf. how do you get 100% success rate? Well, well they'll shoot, they'll, instead of shooting a 450-pound boar, they'll settle for the 400-pound boar. So how many 450-pound boars did y'all kill this, this year? year? Uh, what did we kill? We killed 30 bears, and 20 of them are 400 pounds. You sell 30 bear tags a year, mm -hmm. and you book that out. Mm -hmm. And what is the price on a bear hunt? Uh, for one bear, it's forty five hundred. For two bears, six. So a guy can come up for six thousand dollars. He gets all. What does he stay in the lodge? Yeah. Do you guys stay at the same camp, yep. or you guys got to move? Nope, same lodge. So where we're goose hunting, there's these big boars all, all around us. Why we're goose hunting? Yeah. They're living right in that same yeah. country, and the white tail are in the same yeah, country. Same country. The wolves. Same country. No. Yeah. The wolves are right there right too. Right there. Why don't we ever hear them howling? We killed one of the. We killed number. I think it's number 32 SCI all time this year, right behind the lodge. Really? Wolf, yeah. What do you mean right behind the lodge? Right if I'm standing on the deck, turn around, look at the house, yeah, and it's right over there. Bush. Yeah. Really? Yeah. An absolute monster. Yeah. What's a monster wolf? Uh, anything over 115 pounds to 120. What's, a, what's, a, what's the biggest one you've ever killed? The one, the biggest one we ever killed was this year. He went 121 pounds. And that's a big wolf. That's, you think that's about gargantuous. Coyotes are weighing in at... 30. 30 pounds? A big coyote, a monster coyote might get down to that 40s. 
you know, mid forties, but that's hundred and twenty pound dog. They're huge. I mean, you're Take looking your at a Rottweiler away. there. Take so your give, give me an idea of a wolf hunt. How does that go down? Then wolf hunts, they're serious. How uh, much is a wolf hunt? <clears throat> a wolf hunt, we do it uh, in steps. Uh, we charge you a flat rate for your uh, six day hunt. Uh, it's three thousand bucks for your six day hunt, and then if you kill, if you harvest one, uh, it's fifteen hundred trophy dollar. Are all of them trophies? They're always trophy. It just I can't. I don't believe in charging somebody a full price on a wolf hunt because they're not as successful as most hunts. It's so tough. You're hunting the smartest animal out there, and it's on his free will. This wolf's got to come into your space. It's you know you're on his time clock. Why? So, Why? What do you mean? Isn't he baited? <laughs> Yeah. So can, isn't a bear, can, the bear's got to come into your space too? Is there yeah. just more bears? Oh, there's lots of bears. But way more than wolves? Oh, yeah. Do the bears kill the wolves? Um, Actually, I mean, they can for sure. A wolf actually will run a bear off a of bait. Really? Yeah. No way. 100%. Not a big 400-pound boar. He'll though. run a bear off a of, Well, maybe not a 400-pound bear, but he'll run a bear off of the bait, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'd never imagine They're that. nasty, yeah. But them wolves, I tell you, they're not easy to hunt by no stretch of the imagination. They're super intelligent. They, they do not like anything to do with you. So if they get any inclination that you're in the area, you will never see him. He's gone. So how do, how do you judge that? you got to get the wind perfect? you got to have the right wind, and you got to have a lot of So you have several stands where you know yeah. if you got an east wind, you're yeah. going to this stand. That's right. Yeah. You put the wind in your face or Always. side wind? You want the wind trying to come into your face because, I mean, it depends on the way the wolves are coming into the to, to the you know to the bait site um you play that wind 100 percent. if you don't play the wind you won't see a wolf it's gone but wouldn't you want a side wind to where you can at least see him because if he's coming in downwind and it's in your face you'll never see him right well if it's straight off the bait in your face he's he's usually trying to come from the opposite side of you or to the right or the left so it's not a problem because you i bait you know usually on the ice so you, you have a big area to watch you're you got a you know you got a lot of stuff to look at during the day okay so what's what is a bait for a wolf? What, what, what's he coming in there to eat? I, I use a lot of roadkill, um, deer and moose. So in Alberta, um, there'll be a dead whitetail or a dead moose hit on the side of the road. Uh, first thing you do is you got to call the Fish and Wildlife and get a tag for this animal to uh, obtain it. And once you do that, then uh, I can, I'm legal to go put it out on my wolf bait. And uh, from that step there, you wait until these wolves hit and they cycle through they'll do sometimes five days 14 days 16 18 days before they come back so you kind of got to get a cycle on them before uh you even want to think about hunting them because otherwise you'll lose patience long before you'll ever kill a wolf it's a tough hunt but it's a, it's one of the most rewarding ones you can do are you selling a lot of them i'm booked really always yeah from americans yeah mainly americans yeah so you can't hunt wolves in saskatchewan you can only hunt wolves in alberta you can't hunt coyotes in saskatchewan you can't, you can't um and uh so that puts a lot of you know wolf hunters in our direction and we have great wolves our wolves are some of the biggest uh bloodlines that they have you know all yellowstone wolves are they came from our, our our genetics um they're bigger than the arctic wolves by quite a bit these gray wolf timber wolf they're just they're huge they when you see one they take your breath away but You'll work. So how does it work? So you you go out early in a four wheeler, and then how, yeah. you get off the four wheeler real early, dark so you're not. Dark. So you get off the four wheeler and have a long walk in, so you're not leaving any scent on them. You know, on a, no, you know, I I I work all my baits. So when I'm baiting these wolves, to get used to me. You know what I mean. So I don't like the hunters to come into the bait sites. I'll just run them over and drop them off in their in their stands, heated stands, by the way, because sometimes it's minus thirty, and. Uh, 
propane don't work too well after minus 32 so we don't really hunt after minus 32 that'll be a day at the lodge but uh yeah they sit in the blind there and i bait up and i try to only bait up once every week you know so i'm not going into that bait site a lot there's definitely a science to it but I'm confused. So the day of the hunt, mm-hmm. you're hunting this bait. You yep. haven't. You let's say you baited it five days before. Yep. You drive the four wheeler right to this blind. Yep. And that's not going to leave a bunch mm-hmm. of scent with exhaust and they all the shit. They don't mind the exhaust. They don't mind anything they do. They just don't like you. That's what they don't like. Well, how are they? How are they used to you then? They well, they. I'm always the one that's baiting it. So the first time they'll come, sometimes when they come to hit this bait, they'll stay 300, 400 yards away from the bait. They'll circle that thing five, six times. They won't touch it and they leave, they gone. They, they smelt it, you know, they know it's there. You know, a week later, all of a sudden, they're 20 feet from the bait. Next thing you know, they're in the bait, you know, and then I'm baiting them back and forth. How I handle my bait, you know, is a huge step of wolf baiting, but that's, you know, company secrets, but, um, that's you know a big part of how you keep these wolves coming in and the biggest thing is is i i don't let the customers go into the bait sites well where do they go just to the blind into the blind yeah so how far is the bait site from the blind two to three hundred yards so it's a long shot oh yeah what's i mean and, and if they don't finish then it's a longer shot yeah if they don't finish this longer shot so i tell all my customers i try to keep the baits within 200 yards right so i tell all my hunters to shoot consistently at three to three fifty so there's no archery hunting wolves yeah well not in my facility it's tough 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 so what about bear can you kill a bear with a bow up there 90 percent of our hunts are archery hunts yeah so these are 20 yard shots bear hunts bear hunts is probably the best critter you could get a youth into it's a fun and uh, entertaining hunt people think it's easy you just go out and throw some food on the ground and you kill a bear And, and i mean you'll kill a bear but if you're shooting mature target bears these bears are smart they know you're there if you don't set up right they smell you they know you're there they turn around walk away and there's a huge difference between a 150 pound bear and a 400 pound bear um trophy class wise and uh to do it right you got to do it right and uh it's not just something you just walk out and do you also got to have the bears in the area to have to hunt them and we do and i want to ask you a question based on gear real quick because I understand as an outfitter, gear is very important. And a couple of years ago, I turned you on to, you know, one of our partners here, Elk Ridge Knives. Is it something that you depend on daily? Because with a bear hunt, I mean, you're skinning, you're butchering. It's, it's, it's a lot of work to process and butcher a bear, right? Oh, yeah. Are you happy with the Elk Ridge Knives? Because you're using them on waterfowl, ducks and geese. You're using them on whitetail. You're using them on wolves and bear. You're skinning, you're processing you're butchering you're cutting meat off of the bone you're you're using the axes to cut through the you know oh, yeah. saw through the saws to saw yeah. through the bone axes uh, have, have, have they been a good partner hey elk ridge since you chad been up and and you know you uh leave us some beautiful trinkets when you uh when you leave i'll tell you what we use the crap out of them phenomenal quality uh longevity we're still using them i like every year you bring us up a little extra something new but uh no phenomenal product and I appreciate it. Thank you so much for always uh, uh, bringing that stuff up for us. It's a big help for, you know, me and my guides in the field with good quality equipment. And, you know, you got such a wide selection from a company like that. And I don't, you know, obviously we're partners with them. But what I love about it is that everything that you do as an outfitter, you have to have you have to have a saw. You have to have an axe. You have to have a knife. You have to have a gut hook. You, machetes. The machetes for blinding the, the you know, for oh, bushing man. the blinds. Best or brushing thing the blinds I've ever up. seen. 
They work awesome. Oh, don't they? I, I can never get enough of them. When I leave this you want me trip, to get you I'm some bring, more? Oh, you, please. You really? Yeah. I, I have some here. You want to fly them back uh, into I, your bag? I, just like I Can did last year. Can you get them back in customs? Just like I did last year. No problem. Uh huh. I love them. My hunt, my guides love them. Even my hunters think it's pretty impressive. You know, you can, you get into a situation and you pull that machete off that bike and away you go. And five seconds later, you're, you're back on the road going. Um, same with the goose hunting. You know, you get, you need grass, you got the machete. You need willows, you got the machete. To me, that's, that's probably my favorite product. What, um, do you eat the bear meat? Oh yeah. hundred percent. No way. It was dead serious. Bullshit. Why not? What part? Backstraps and hands. And how do you prepare it? Well, if you can put it on the trigger, it doesn't matter how you prepare it. It turns out great. But uh, no, we like to wrap it in bacon. You season it however you like to flavor and whatnot, and you cook it just kind of like a ham. Backstraps on a bear are phenomenal. Uh, the back hams on a bear are phenomenal. A lot of people will take and turn it into jerky. Uh, bear's a fabulous uh, table fare. Um, you know, it's all on how you handle it. Black and white. I don't care if it's a, the, an elk or deer or bird or bear. It's all on how you handle it. So if you handle it well in the field, isn't it grease, greasy as shit? It is no different than eating pork. Really, hundred percent. Same color. It's same color. It. I'll tell you what. Most people can't tell the difference between pork and bear. So are you like are you are you steaming it and like putting on the Traeger with wrapped in foil and yeah, you just you slow cook it? Kind of barbecue. Like I like barbecue? to steak it, you know. But most guys will sausage it or jerky it. Well, that's I mean you can make that's a coyote simple. taste yeah, good doing that. That's right. But uh, no, it's great table fare. If you're going to do it, I back the back straps are really good. My wife, she'll take it and she'll cut it in, in a in, in kind of, uh, if you will, butterfly it. Fill it full of cream cheese and bacon and season. You it. lost me at cream cheese. Only yeah. weirdos eat that shit. I know guy. Chad does not like cream cheese. So when we make duck poppers, we eat the duck poppers with the cream cheese. He doesn't. Yeah, I can't. Um, I can't. The I mean, jalapeno so and the cream cheese and bacon. I'm telling you, that's all. you can't make them fast enough. But no, it's great great table fare no way i'm just not i just i've heard you know. some people like some people say cougar and mountain lions all right and i'm just i'm just like I, I cannot handle freaking even the thought of eating bear no i mean everyone's to their own right everybody some people like deer some people like would, would you ever see a bear if you didn't bait them in canada last year we saw a couple roaming in a, in a wheat field but it's is it you have to bait them to kill them i'll tell you what i live there my whole life and if I were to say how many bear I see in a consistently, in a 12-month span, in, in, if you will, and I live in the bush, and I live in the bush, you might see two, three bear in a whole season. And on any given night on my bear stands, you'll see 5 to 12 to 14 bears in one sit. So can you hunt them without a bait site? It's extremely un successful in our part of the world because we're just too bush we got too much bush now bc's got a lot of spot and stock they got more, a lot more open terrain um and that makes great spot and stock black bear uh, a wonderful animal to spot and stock because their eyesight is like humans it's very poor you know don't get don't get ever fool yourself people say bear have bad eyesight they do have bad eyesight compared to an antelope they have just as good eyesight as you and me for an animal that's very poor um but they're a great animal to spot and stock. So if you're in an area where you don't got a lot of bush and, and, and whatnot like that, you can spot and stock them. But where we live in the Boyle Forest, you won't see them. They're, they just, they're so shy. You just never see them. Wow. You almost never see one even dead on the side of the road. Almost never. In my whole life, I think I've seen two dead bears hit by a car in my whole life. They're just so elusive that way. 
And what about the whitetail? You got no, do you white, bait? Do you bait no, whitetail? No baiting in Alberta whatsoever. There's no baiting whitetail. Not in Alberta, no, whatsoever. And I hope they, I hope they never bring it to the table. I know they're talking about it. Um, they asked us our opinion this year, and uh, I wrote every inch of paper that they gave me with a word in it, so they know how important it is for us not to bait in Alberta. It is a huge. Uh, that's a whole nother ball game, but just to keep our genetics there, to keep the quality of our deer there, it is so important not to have that baiting in there. You can't throw hay and oats on the ground in 20 below in November and manage to keep our 180 to 200 class whitetails around with hunting pressure with local people and outfitters and whatnot, so on and so forth. But, you know, you just, those deer can't grow fast enough to keep the, the size class that we have now you know, the free range, the way it is, you hunt these deer, you're hunting them, you know, by exposure points, you're hunting them by the rut, their travel routes, and which is great. You don't see the deer like you do in Saskatchewan every day over a bait pile. Absolutely not. But what you do see is you see a lot better size class. The quality is world class. And I want to see it stay that way because you'll wipe them out. It can't sustain it. Has that happened in other places in Canada? Saskatchewan is number one. Really? Yeah. It got beat, beat hard. I mean, you get in there and you start getting on these bait piles and you start shooting all them 190s and 200s like they did in the 90s. And I'll tell you what, there was no better place in the world to hunt white-tailed deer than in Saskatchewan when they brought in the baiting and opened it up and they killed deer like that was out of this world. And it can only sustain it for so long. And then by the 2000, it started slowing down in Saskatchewan. They killed out a lot of those big age class deer. Next thing you know, they're working on the 160s, 170s, 150s, and they did that. And now you get into the 2000s, 2010s, you start looking on the forum on the internet. These guys are having a hard time killing 120s, 140s consistently because the size class, you can't turn a two-year-old deer into a 180 the next year wild free range. It just doesn't happen that way. So when these guys are coming through killing all these 150s and 160s, that size class is gone for next year, you know, to turn into 170s and 180s. So you only got these 130s going into 140s, and they just hit repeat every year. So that baiting is so efficient. It has a lot of beneficials. It makes for an ethical hunt. The kills are a great shot because you got time to make the shot on them. You know, you're not out riding around in a pickup shooting them off the road. Baiting has a lot of beneficials. It goes into winter, the deer are way healthy. You know, I think it's got a lot of beneficials. But if you're looking at size class and big deer, it it, it, it has a dramatic effect on big deer. First five, ten years is going to be great if they open it up. It's a huge discussion. There's a lot of pros and a lot of cons. But the big deer size class will definitely So are you take worried that they're going to open up baiting in Alberta? I think it's coming. Really? 100%. Why? It's to, for more income, more tourism dollars. Why would yeah, they do that? It's 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 illegal to bait now in Alberta, but they sell bait in every store, and it goes like hotcakes. So, uh, as a professional hunter, an outfitter, you know, I mean, you you don't even dabble in that stuff. That is something you don't do. And I, I'm proud to hunt deer the way we do, but you know. I see it as you know. I don't know if it's a tourism trip. I don't know how they work it. But all I know is it's, I think it's coming. They, they, they actually sent us an email. All the outfitters got an email this year on a reply on our input on should we allow baiting 
if we do, how should we go about it? What's the rules? What's the guidelines? They wanted to know the outfitters' ideas and terms that they think, you know, that should come about if they do. Um, it's just a real problem if you're looking at quality deer for size class. So do you go to all the commission meetings and go to the, like the whitetail board of Alberta and, and, and fight against it? I do when they're in the area, um, you know, but sometimes you can yell and scream all you want. Sometimes they don't hear anything anyway, but I definitely give them my input on emails. And, uh, you know, when they bring the subject to the table, I'll give them my opinion. And my opinion isn't based just because it's, you know, what I'd like to see that makes my pocketbook different from year to year. My opinion is based over my whole life of what I've seen in the field. Like it's, it's real. It's, it's the dirt, if you will. It's the dirt. I mean, I've seen it in Saskatchewan. Uh, most of my hunters are all ex Saskatchewan hunters. Uh, I was born and raised in Saskatchewan. It's my home still. Um, my parents live in Saskatchewan, but I'll tell you that baiting for big white tail will end big white tail fast in an area. Big camps in Saskatchewan are running 50, 60, 70 clients. They're killing one, two book deer a year. I kill that every year with 10 to 15 hunters, you know, consistently. Our size class is there, you know. What What is is a big... Boone and Crockett, it's, 165 As far better. as a normal season, though, for take outfitters on whitetail, are you consistently I mean, are you booked out how many you said you're booked out how many guns is that how many hunters um this season we're we got uh i got 24 hunters coming and how many did you have last year uh 18 so are you incrementally growing that as you gain more access i'll, I'll never book any more than i have this year this will be my peak this is done i take a max number of hunters only because there's only so many good weeks in november to hunt um being that we're not allowed to bait so you get to hunt the rut, pre-rut, and post-rut. So you got three weeks of real pump that hard, get your hunters in there. These guys are paying good money to hunt these big whitetails, so you can't just bring them up here willy-nilly in the beginning of the season, and hopefully they shoot a big deer. You, you know, you want that rut, pre-rut, post-rut, and rut to kill these deer. So we do three weeks hard. We get these guys in on top of scrape lines. We get them in on active does, and we get them in on deer activities on the muskegs when it gets cold, and we take advantage of that. But... Before and after that, it's it's tough to your hunting, hundred percent. So you you at any given day you'll have how many blinds full? How many eight. sits are going on? Eight. Eight bl- hunters in camp at once. Yeah, eight for three weeks. Really? Yeah. And that's what you have in camp. Yeah. And your success rate's still there. Oh yeah. Almost we have 100. huge, 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 huge area. So Dark how camp. far how far could I plan on driving? An hour and a half. Every morning. Yeah. We spread out. I mean, we got guys. What's the closest stand to the lodge? Ten minutes, five minutes. Any good deer come out of that one? Oh yeah, yeah. We got great area. So, what's the biggest deer killed in 2018? 2018. Last season, last 180 inch typical, clean typical. He was a pig. In what time of the year was that? November. Yeah, November. Yeah. Early or late? Yeah, mid November. What time of day? Eleven o'clock in the afternoon. Eleven o'clock in the afternoon. He, he's up in a tree stand. Fifth, he's having a box stand box on stand. legs. Yeah. Fifth. All all of your sits are in box stands. Most of them, yeah. Ladder stands. Sometimes the weather's nice. Any archery hunts? Um, I don't do much for archery anymore. Just too busy with uh, waterfowl. But archery is a great time if you get them early season. Man, that's another great time to hunt these big Alberta whitetail. Um, but it takes a lot of homework. It takes a lot of dedication, and uh, you can't you can't do it all so you know we we do the waterfowl hunting hard in september october and that's a lot of good whitetail hunting season too so um when yeah. does whitetail season open september 1st for you, archery 
for archery. Yeah. But you're not dealing with that. I got, we do the odd guy. I'll come up and do a combo hunt for waterfowl and archery. Yep. hundred percent. It's pretty good success on that. Uh, yeah, they do. How much more do you love waterfowl than whitetail hunting? Let's be honest here. I, I've always loved waterfowl. I've loved every hunt and I do it all. I just, I mean, I couldn't pick one more than the you other You couldn't one. pick one right mm -hmm. now? I could tell you what one's easier to guide for. What is? The whitetail for sure. Really? Well, yeah. You throw your guys out after you did your homework, throw them in a stand and say, see a dark. Yeah. The waterfowls, you got eight guys with you from the morning. You go out and you pound the birds for an hour and you come back. You got eight guys still with you all day long. Then you go scout and you got guys with you. So you got guys with you every day, all day, all the time. Do you ever do morning or afternoon hunts in, in the waterfowl? Do you offer that or does oh, it yeah. ever happen? We offer it. Yeah, it's two and one. So um, we do the first two days, it's morning, evening. If you need to shoot birds in the evening, and the last day is just a morning hunt. But uh, most times you're limited out in the morning. Here's what pisses me off about some clients. And you tell me if you've ever encountered this. You go out in the morning and you have an unbelievable shoot. You're three birds short. You call it. You got breakfast ready. Yeah. Crystal's ready to feed the, feed the masses. And then you get back to the lodge and the guys are like, well, are we going to go back out this afternoon for our three ducks? And I would look at him as the outfitter and yeah, say, no. go take a nap, dude. Yeah, take a nap. But it's almost like, do you ever encounter that? And do you, yeah, do you we, let them go do that? hundred percent. We've ran into that several times. Uh, and basically, I mean, I'll say, Hey, we're five birds shy of a limit. It's we're done for the day. Really? I mean, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of time. I don't, where are you going to go shoot five birds without blowing a whole good shoot the next day kind of thing? Um, you know, so in most days you limit out in the morning anyway. So tomorrow, we'll, you know, we'll shoot our limit of morning in the morning and, you know, it's all good. Five birds ain't going to make or break you. But I definitely will have a talk with them if, if it's a serious problem and whatnot. And if I got an area where I know I can go and take here two guys from camp, you go and with Huck and go set up over there and, and, and do your thing, kill your few birds, that it works out well. But it doesn't happen a lot, no. So pretty much you'll cater to the customer, but sometimes you got to be, hey, relax dude we're not going back out because here's the deal you 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 get close to the century mark or a little over 100 birds you're five birds short in the morning you got eight guys you can kill eight birds eight ducks each so there's 64 yep. right there you can kill eight cannons each. Yep. there's another 64 let's say you got your uh, what's 64 plus 64 128 yeah so you got 128 birds i think that's what it is that's what it is i'm pretty shitty at math <laughs> but 128 birds but let's say you're five short you got 123 this clown goes we want to go back out and kill our mountains what are you going to do with those five ducks yeah. are they going to save all their birds from the morning yeah. to get an afternoon picture yeah. with all of them yeah. it's almost the the mindset of somebody that would be like no, we want to, we want to go back out and kill, kill our five birds. It doesn't, it's, it's a weird, a, it's a weird question to yeah. even ask that somebody's that gung ho on yeah. a limit. We got an operation to run a business to run too. So we got to play that. There's a part of that that got to kick in and that's where you sit down and say, Hey guy, you know, mister, we, we this is just, we're going to have to hold off today and save it and go come jump in the truck. Let's go scouting, you know? I'll fill your evening up. Let's go look at some birds. You know? Yeah, you you know you're 100%. gonna be you're gonna be with them, and, yeah. and it's giving them that experience. And you're gonna get a lot of guys that are gonna be like wowed by the amount of birds. Oh, they're wowed. There. They're always wowed. And I and I get wowed every time I go to Canada. I've been going there since 2000, and I still am just like mystified by it. Yeah. It's it's duck hunters right. heaven. But birds everywhere. When when you when you came here last year and you watched the episodes, you actually got a tear in your yeah, eye. Yeah, that was great. Why though? Wow. Why you get so emotional about I those episodes? Love man, watching that in your it's, I remember it reminds me of the first time I watched your show, and that's what it is. By the time you're done watching the foul life, you got a gun in your hand and your boots on. I mean, I don't know what it is, but it's just you know. It's the feeling of being in the blind when you're making this video and uh, or the TV episodes and the people you're doing it with and the excitement and, you know, hunting is, is not just about out there and pulling the trigger, believe you me, it's about who you're with, you know, the excitement you have with, with somebody and then what you can share with your, your, your friends and family that you're in the blind with. 
And, uh, and then of course, getting back to the lodge and everybody having a great time and, and high fives and, Hey, let's see those pictures and send them to grandma or send them to grandpa or send them to your dad or your mom. I mean, your girlfriend, your wife, and everybody blows up going, Oh my goodness, this is absolutely world-class. And the memories made from that time on will never be forgotten. First time waterfowlers in Alberta are priceless. So love it. And you watching those episodes though, like you have an emotional attachment to your business well, though, yeah. but like those episodes really made you sit back and go, man, this is this, all those pieces. It's, it's, it's fun watching yeah. a guy like you see the final yeah. product because when you're putting all those pieces together, like, Hey, we're going to do this. Then we got to fly the drone. Then yeah. we got to do interviews. Then we got to do cutaways. It's a lot of work. Oh, I get out in the field and we get done shooting a limit after three hours. And then we're like, we got another hour and a half work. Nobody wants to put up with that shit. <laughs> Everybody wants to get back to the lodge, open, get a beer yep. going, get a pot of gumbo going, get mm -hmm. breakfast going, get a nap going or go to the cafe yeah. and, and experience it. Well, when you go up there and you're dedicated to telling yeah. a story and making a TV show, you got a schedule, man. It's easy for somebody to be like, Oh yeah, I want it. I want it. I want it. And then when you get up there and they're like no man we can't do it. oh man and i'm like listen if you want it to be right you gotta do it so you got to see That's all right. those pieces come together right well it is and the way you bring it to life through a camera lens is not short short of a miracle how how you can make it feel like you're there it's just you know the your crew the boys you got working for you or you know the experience they got that bring to the table um yeah it's when you sit there and watch the final product, man, I, you can watch it over and over again, whether it's my episode or, you know, your episode where you're in Dakota, wherever you are, you know, it's just, I love watching the foul life on TV. Um, I've always loved it. And, uh, and it, it made it where we are today. And, and we're, we ended up buddies and hanging out where we are right now, talking about Elk Ridge and, and all kinds of wolf, and, you know, whatever it is happened to be. But uh, at the end of the day, I love watching you blow your duck call. I love watching what you guys do in the field. I love being a part of the foul life. And uh, we're just, my wife and I are proud just to, you know, and say we know you and, and be a part. Do you of, think it's helped you. business? Oh, yeah, of course. That, I mean, anytime that thing airs, my emails don't stop for two days. No kidding. People just start wondering. Mm, for two days, my emails will just ding, ding, ding. TV with the right people. Don't get me wrong. TV's not, you know, it's, it's not for everybody, but with the right people, it does nothing but unbelievable. Yeah, and I think that if you, when people watch it, I want to, you know, we want to build something that is different. Yeah, because that different is what you are, Chad. Though yeah. you, you you make a different everything. It's, yeah, and you want to stand out. You want to stand out as far as like being able to give somebody that experience yes, and right. that takes it takes a lot of dedication to where you know how anal i am to even book the hunts 100%. with and the dates and the timing and, and the guests and i don't want to just come up there and have it be chad and clay sitting mm -hmm. in the blind you know you, right. you and me sitting there i want to tell a story Absolutely. what what was hendo experiencing yeah. the leith lofton That's concert right. the event the charity That's stuff right. and and all of that stuff comes together to tell a more well-rounded story yeah. of what take em outfitters really is and what it's become and what it keeps you know flourishing into and what it keeps morphing into right. yeah she's a family operated business and it'll never change and uh we love being a part of everybody's memories that just love what we do and and when they come up and share it with us and we share our experiences with them um yeah it, it makes friends all over the world my wife and i never dream we'd be able to do what we do today with the people we get to do it with uh it's it's changed our lives uh the foul life has changed our lives um yeah it's I, it's just an awesome, awesome experience, and we couldn't be more grateful about it. Do you ever see yourself expanding at all? Is there talks about building another lodge? Is there, are there talk, or what? Is there any business plans in the making right now? There's always some plans in the making. Yes. 
So there might be something going on. You're not ready to announce it no. on this life ain't for everybody? Yeah, not yet. We might have a deal going to Saskatchewan as well. Really? Moving over province, huh? I was born and, born and bred in Saskatchewan. It's always been home. Where? Uh, northern Saskatchewan, straight east. Straight east to where you're at now? Yeah. By Grant, by Paradise? Further east, yet. Yeah. Further east? Yeah. Water or Turtleford? No, no you're, that's looking at, uh, you're looking at it. It'd be straight east, kind of. New, what's the between name? Between us and PA, Prince Edward. Between us and P Prince, yeah, I get Prince that. Albert. Or between you and Manitoba. No, Prince Albert. Between you and Prince Albert. Yeah. That's where the area is? Yeah. It's a nice country. Uh, we're always looking for Is it for waterfowl little, or is it deer or is it everything? A little, little everything, yeah. Really? But it's just, uh, it's a dream. I've always wanted to expand a little bit, but it, it's, there's, a, there's huge ups and downs to expanding. I could expand in Alberta. I own a lot of territory to the west of me as well. And there was talks and, you know, been a lot of thought going into that as well. But, uh, you know, we're, we're taking it by stride. But the thing is, I never want to lose that one-on-one -on -one experience. Um, Take Them Outfitters is still a family-operated business. And I want that. I don't ever want to be a corporate deal. I do, you know, five-star who owns this place you never see them you know kind of thing we enjoy that one-on-one -on -one with every customer so that that means a lot and and we 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 grew a brand just like the foul life we grew a brand to a point where we have a standard and it's something that i never want to lose so you take baby steps and everything you do to make sure you don't lose that so would you bring on partners in saskatchewan to do because to, you couldn't do both could you well i'd bring in a lot of hired help for sure yeah hired help or you mm -hmm. bring in a partner over there uh, you would have to make the guy one of the head guys over there somewhat somehow a partner of it yep just so there's you know investment in there so he runs it and operates it with some kind of you know pride for sure otherwise it could fall to the wayside you got to have a piece of it otherwise you know you got to take ownership 100% you got to take, take ownership 100% yeah agreed so what is what are what are our let's start making some plans then we're coming up there we got our date set what what do we want to do this year what kind of story do we want to tell we've done the family we've done the area we've done the celebrities we do we concentrate on huck this time and go yeah. check out the house he built yeah. with his chainsaw i mean it's what you what you feel fit I, I i see you got a good eye for all that stuff um you know it it can happen in any way you can, we can look at the farmers in the area we can talk about the way the agriculture in the area grew over the years which is really interesting because that's a very interesting subject because like you said in the 80s we weren't thought of as a waterfowl hunting area and today i don't know if you can get much better of a waterfowl hunting area as far as worldwide it is as good as it gets as far as wing shooting uh, geese and ducks so but that is a lot to, lot to do with all the agriculture and how it's all came about in the last 10 years, 15 I've hunted, years. I've hunted waterfowl everywhere, and there's, yeah. no, there's nowhere better. Yeah. I have favorites. Like, yeah. You know, Arkansas I love. That's but, right. But compared to Argentina, it's not even on the same level. Right. Argentina serves its purpose. That's right. But as far, if you want to go kill ducks and geese the way we're accustomed to in America, mallards, canagies, specks, yeah. you don't get any of that in Argentina. you got different species. They're right. beautiful. They're all out of Brazil. Yeah. Um, but... As far as a wing shooter's paradise, it's Canada. Yeah, and it's close and doesn't cost a guy arm and leg, you know, the whole meal deal. It's a very affordable hunt for, for anyone from the average guy to, to someone that wants to come three times a year. It's it's just one of those all-around hunts, and that's what Waterfowl does so good because, you know, you, you everyone can afford a trip at least once. 
And uh, generally, when they come once, they come twice. What are what are what are the waterfowl packages that take them? Is there uh, a three and a five? Or we do a three, three day. No, there is. We do three day hunts, and uh, they start at three thousand. That's all inclusive. Like I said, your shells, your bird cleaning, your lodging. It includes your hunting license as well. Um, the only thing it don't include is gratuity, and if you need a gun rental. So three thousand American dollars gets me three days. Yep. Four nights. Four nights. You come in. You you arrive at the lodge, you wake up, you hunt, you sleep, you hunt, you sleep, you hunt, you're gone. Yeah. $3,000 for all of that. You yeah. get your bed, your shower, all oh, yeah. your meals, all your bird processing, Wi-Fi, your fun. Beautiful lodge. Yep, 100%. What do the guys do? They go over to the store and buy some cold beer and stock your lodge up uh, out of there? <laughs> they don't stock it up there because we live in Alberta, so the prices are expensive. But, uh, yeah, they do buy beer and they do buy whiskey and wine. But uh, they realize how grateful you are in America to have your President Trump. $65 for a case of beer up there. It's crazy. Crazy. Yeah. It's because you guys get, if you get hurt, you get free medical. You, you can't have, you can't afford to be an alcoholic in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> wonder if there are any. I don't know. It's, I'm sure there is, but. Cold beer and combines. Yeah, that's cold beer and combines. Yeah, no, 100%. No, it's, uh, yeah. So, no, that's the, and if you wanted more than a three-day trip, it, uh, you know, we just add to it. Uh, we try to do, you know, sometimes it's a four to five-day hunt. We don't do much over five-day hunt it's guys you're pretty tired by the time you're five days into it you're getting up at three four in the morning you know your shoulders sore um you're shooting you're shooting a lot are you excited for september to get here right now i, I live for it what do you what do you do to pass the time this time actually i was blowing on my goose call because i'm such Ugh. a great goose caller and, are you uh, practicing for real? I, I, for real the other day i was uh, chad gave me a another call the other when he was up last Tim time Graham. i want to say it was I, I remember the name of it. Something G came, Overhauler? I Tim remember. Grounds? Yeah, it's a Tim Grounds call. Um, but I was working G-force? on G-Force? Maybe it's the G-Force, yeah. But I was working on it, and I mean, I just sit and blow the call. I mean, listen, I blow a goose call, and I sound good to everybody. True story, just ask them, except <laughs> for Chad. But, I mean, when you sit beside Chad, it's like comparing a Corvette to a freaking No, 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 BM. that's not what it's yeah, about. It's it's, like, I mean, that's it, not what I'm saying. I just but, think it's all timing with you. Yeah. You just like to hammer on yeah. that thing. But, no, Chad's an unbelievable experience just to watch you work a goose call. And I can honestly say I've been doing this 12, 14 years now uh, and my whole life prior, too. And I still never seen anybody work a goose call like you. Your duck call ability is for sure and in alberta you really don't need to be the best duck caller in the world to kill any kind of ducks just saying but it's your, fun to do it though. your goose call ability is truly an art to watch well thank you it is yeah well thank you it is and i'm and i'm average down here it's just uh, whatever, I am. I'm, average. I'm average john david stanley was in here on here he starts working his call and i'm just like oh dang or hunter grounds i'm like the sounds they can make they it's get unreal. really really goosey yeah it's really goosey it's a pleasure there's see. nothing better there's no i don't i say this all the time there's just no better lifestyle than being able to uh, you know hone, acquire skills hone your skills develop a skill set and calling and decoying and dog work and and scouting and the, the whole application of the hunt and then going out there and then getting those birds and bringing it back and and fe- taking the feathers off of them and getting the meat out of them and you know, butchering them and processing oh, yeah. them and preparing them and serving them. I, I just think that there's no better man or woman on the earth than a provider and yep. standing around that gumbo pot with somebody like Lindley and drinking a cold Budweiser and talking about what he does in the, on the, you know, offshore and in the, in the oil industry and what his family does and yep. what he loves to do. And, and at the end of it, you feel like you're exchanging phone numbers. You're oh, yeah. getting invited to their home. Yep. You're at their par- parties, their holiday parties. And it was all done over a duck hunt. Yep. And then you, you sit there and you, 
wonder why is it so easy for duck hunters to become friends? It's because it's the greatest yeah, lifestyle in the right. world. Hunting is the greatest. To be a provider, to be able to go out and do that and manipulate birds and to trick birds or to get a deer to do what you needed to do to give it a clean, harvestable, ethical Absolutely. shot. There's nothing better. There's yeah. no cooler person in the world. Yeah. There are there are ve- you know veterans and all the guys. Absolutely. I'm not saying that we're that's not my point. But d- those guys are hunters and yeah. providers too. There's, they that's the coolest lifestyle in the in the history of man. We wouldn't be here today. We wouldn't be here sitting here talking today if somebody in our past. I don't care who you are, what city you live in, what your background is. You wouldn't be here today if somebody in your family tree wasn't a provider for your family and. It doesn't always come from a grocery store. You know, it's it's the way mankind has been since we've been here. We've had to provide. And today, it's not, you know, as much needed. But wildlife still needs management. And so hunters, there's no better entrepreneur in, in the industry than a hunter that's out there managing their seasons from one to the next. Uh, not over-harvesting, uh, taking care of the sick. You know, first thing I do when I see baby geese, I've been in on Main Street, Cold Lake, coming out of town by Walmart, and I parked my truck right in the middle of the road, stopping the cars so the mama goose and the babies get off the road. You know, yep. that's what we do. It's it's not we're out there just pulling the triggers to you know to kill something. It's it's a lot more than that. It's about you know it's a whole another picture. So and it's my lifestyle. It's what we do. There's no better. None. No. no. And I think that I think if people give it a shot and Canada is a great place to go up and 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 book a hunt and see duck and goose hunting and how powerful that it it truly can be. Yeah, it's it'll take your breath away. Um, Be prepared. You can't be prepared enough. We'll put it that way for anyone that's worked in the south, you know, in Arkansas, shooting these birds have been, you know, flew thousands and thousands of miles to uh, get down there and had to get over top of me and the next outfitter and the next guy and the next locals and and so on and so forth these birds seen a lot so you guys down there you guys are working you you the world's best callers uh setting up in a you know aspect that we can't even imagine but uh to get up and see what we have at, at home and uh the raw the raw nature of uh virgin birds if you will it's phenomenal yeah, and I'm, I'm not trying to ignore you, but can you uh, can you smell that smell coming in here? Oh, look what's going on! I'm there. telling you that Traeger, that you know, I Chad, you introduced me to this Traeger grill a couple of years ago, and uh, it's changed our life at the lodge. It's changed our life, you know, when we don't have hunters around. It's the best barbecue. I haven't started my barbecue up my my old barbecue in two years. It, haven't started the wood fire case is amazing isn't it haven't haven't touched that other barbecue since the trigger and it's one of those things to where people when they realize the taste of the food and then how easy it is unbelievable right? it's the best invention since sliced bread and and you you can cook anything from a pie on it to bread to vegetables anything. to steaks to wild yep. game anything what's your favorite off of it on the trigger i want to say one of my favorites is poppers why are you so into I'm, duck poppers? I'm you gotta you, learn how to cook duck. I'm dude. telling you, you could get a hundred people at my lodge, and they'll tell you the same thing. Then poppers come off that you can't keep them on there. You can't make them fast enough. They just with that wood smoke, a little bit of bacon. Who doesn't love bacon? Yeah, but then you put freaking cream cheese on. And you like put a cream cheese, and you put your that green head mellard in there, or that that Springer. I didn't know what Springer was until I met Chad. By the way, Springer. Yeah, Springer. Sprig. Pintail. Sprig. In Alberta, it's called pintail. Anyway, um, 
you put that on there, wrap that. You take a speckle belly, even Canada goose. You got to take the Canada goose. You got to cut them up a little thinner. They can be a little tough, but I'll tell you, I'll get a group of eight guys there. My wife can't keep my daughters. We're sitting there, you know, making them, putting them on the, you can't keep up. But That's good. you know, there's way better ways to prepare water. For oh them. yes. There's all different kinds of, I'm just saying, I love poppers on that trigger. It's a party hit. Doesn't matter. I could have people right out of the city that have never seen a bird in their life and put a popper on and they eat it for the first 10 pieces. And they'd be like, what is this? You know? Yeah. Yeah. They have You're no like, idea. that's wild duck. Kill that's wild bird. duck. Mm -hmm. Do you do it with goose too? Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Speckle bellies for sure is one of our favorite. Speckle belly is the mm -hmm. best eating waterfowl there is. Yeah, there sure is. I remember last year we went to a convention there, Chad, with uh, the youth somewhere in the desert where your hunting club was and uh, the boys. Canvasback. Canvasback. They did a bunch of speckle bellies on the tracker there that day. That was another class. Phenomenal. Yeah, they probably spent all day doing it. It was another class of bird. And these are the new traggers I have out here. That's the new 1300 Timberland. Can't wait. The brand new ones with the D2 power systems. Yeah. Yeah. They are bad to the bone. Yeah. I'm going up there in a couple of weeks to meet with uh, Danny and Tyler. There's big things happening with Traeger, man. I can, I can, I can only like, see it going freaking forward. What they're phenomenal. doing to the backyard barbecue world and industry is on a different another level. level. Different level. Have you have you spread the word up there? Do you see it spreading out in Canada too? Well, uh, Kobe, my guide, he's got one. Uh, some of the landowners that come to my party every year, they got one. Um, yeah, Traeger's been well. Traeger's it's been slow coming into Canada, but it's taken off now. You look at your wife out there, Crystal. She's sitting by the pool, sunning herself, watching the trigger. Watching the trigger. You call it a trigger. I call it a trigger, yeah, I know, but I've been working on that. Trigger, trigger. Everything's a trigger. Everything is. <laughs> so it's, it, all in all, you're happy with the foul life. Look at Clay out there. He's got, what's he got going on out there? Clay Belden, he's uh He's working the trigger too. He's got he's got onions on the upper upper grill, upper rack. He's got burgers on the lower rack, and in the middle he's got brats. Not sure what a brats is. Brat. It's like a it's a brat. Brat. B r a u t. It's a hot dog kind of deal. Mm. Stuffed sausages mm. and andy oh, They do all sorts of different flavors of kind of. I think it's like a German heritage thing. Like gotcha. They put some cheeses in there, some peppers in there. But look at that, right out the studio window, that Traeger's lit up. That's a 1300, you can hear it roar. I can Listen. Hear it. I can hear it. That wood fire just catching. Well, Clay Charlton, Alberta, take him outfitters. I appreciate it, buddy. I can't wait to get back up there. It's only it's gonna be here before we know it. You darn right, Chad, foul life. I can't wait to have you. You guys are a blast to have in camp. If you guys get to see these guys on the side of the road, make sure you pull over and say hi shake his hand great people good times yeah we we feel the same exact about you and your daughters your wife crystal take them outfitters whether you're a duck hunter a goose hunter a wolf hunter a bear hunter a whitetail hunter predator hunter if you want to get up there after some coyotes but just an overall great experience of being able to leave your home in america and have the confidence that what you're getting ready to embark on is going to be a huge lawn laundry list of memories and epic hunts food camaraderie meeting new people in camp meeting new locals around the area earl is a badass tuck is a badass and you just you get or huck not tuck it's huck 
But you get to meet all these different individuals north of the border. There are brothers and sisters up there too, even though they're different. They're weird. They talk weird, eh? They don't know how to cook eggs, eh? They watch hockey, eh? Um, you know, it's uh, it's two American teams in the Stanley Cup Finals right now with our St. Louis Blues tying up the Boston Bruins last night, two games apiece. But how does a Canadian team not be in the Stanley Cup Finals, dude? <laughs> That's because they're all the players are Canadian on the U.S. teams. <laughs> No, Bulls. I think like the goalie oh, for the Blues man. is. I think there's a lot of Americans on the ice right yeah, now, bud. We're catching up. Well, you guys do good. I mean, hockey. I I love the playoffs. The only time I really get into it, you know. It's a good I time. Love the playoffs. I was at the Blues VIP uh, party for night for game one when they got pounced by Boston like Pretty seven jealous. to two the other night. Yeah, but it was a fun time in St. Louis. What? Where can people find? Take them. Is it take them? Take them outfitters uh, at live.ca. Take them outfitters dot com or anywhere on Instagram and Facebook. Take them outfitters. Take, at, them, take them out. Is it T A K E and then dash? Dash T A K E dash E M. Outfitters. Outfitters with an S. A. Is there an E H at the end of it? There's no, there's no E H. A. Just take them a. outfitters. Alberta. Um, love to hear from you guys. Definitely want to call up to book out in advance because it's. But it's it too late time. for this year. Oh yeah, hundred percent. We're booked. It's a waiting list. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure we're almost booked up for 2021. Man, it must be a good problem to have, eh? It's definitely, you can't hide money, I'll dude. You, you got what, a money printing machine up there. I'll tell you what it is. It's stressful. We live on a standard, and I I stand by that rule. It's not. We don't take anybody's money. We do not sell anything we can't offer, and we stand by that. Um, and we're proud of what we do. So your Honda B is just as good as the guy that showed up on the first day. That's awesome. Hundred percent. Check them out, guys. Take them outfitters dot gov. Take them outfitters dot com. What was it? Dot com. Takeemoutfitters.com. Now on the website, is there a hash? Is there a, is there a dash in there too? There's a dash. Yeah. Take dash um, emoutfitters.com. Book a hunt with Clay and Crystal Charlton, their daughters. It's a family atmosphere. Great guides, great area. Fly into Edmonton. You got about a two and a half, three hour drive to the northeast, mainly the east towards Lloydminster, right on the Saskatchewan border. Take them outfitters again, guys. World class. I know that we throw you, you hear that those words thrown around, but we try not to throw them around. It is epic duck and goose hunting and just an overall badass experience of awesome food, camaraderie, nights around the fire, cold beers, whiskey, guitar playing with Leith Lofton. Um, we're going to be back up there this October 2019. We can't wait. If you see us up there, let's hang out. We love Canada, we love combines, we love the entire lifestyle of what Take Em provides up there. There. Again, today's episode is brought to you by the 2019 North American Whitetail Championships, NAWChamp.com, NA, or excuse me, NAWTC.com, NAWChamp on Instagram and Facebook, NAWTChamp. North American Whitetail Championship 2019 14 regions across America and Canada all archery $300 gets you in for your chance to qualify and be entered to win $50,000 cash money if you're lucky enough to win it again it's all bow and arrow you guys so go out and hone your skills and let's make this another great event for 2019 brought to you by Michael Waddell and the Bone Collector crew as well as Clint Walker and the crew at Wicked Outfitters in the great state of Kansas today's episode was also brought to you by Car and Express Arrows, Elk Ridge Evolution, and all their great lines of knives. And I also want to send a huge, huge amount of gratitude out to the Outdoor Channel and My Outdoor TV for what they do for us and all of our brands here at Banded, the Foul Life, and Jargon Game Calls. Look for our new set of print ads coming out in Wildfowl and Gundog Magazine. Look for new Foul Life, This Life Ain't For Everybody merch on all of the different websites as well as new Jargon Game Calls merch. Thefowllife.com 
thislifeaintforeverybody.com, jargongamecalls.com. You can find us all over social media. We're humbled by the response to the podcast and all of our TV shows. Season 11 of The Foul Life goes to air end of this month, beginning of July 2019, exclusively on the Outdoor Channel. And if you want all any of our older content, seasons 1 through 10, check them out at My Outdoor TV, Mo TV, and get signed up, guys. It's a very, very inexpensive monthly subscription rate to get all of your content right there at your fingertips whether it's the foul life bone collector crush with lee and tiffany jim shockey you can find it all there anything from the outdoor channel the sportsman's channel world fishing network we love our partnership with the outdoor sportsman's group out of colorado thank you mr stan Cronkey. thank you everybody that works there my main man mitch petrie the vp of programming what you do for us does not go unseen we do not take it for granted again we're humbled by the success of the branch check out all of our new designs at banded.com we got new waders a bunch of new cuts in men's and women's. We're ready for the 2019-20 waterfowl season. I could go on and on. Thank you to my friend Clay Charlton, Take Em Outfitters. This has been another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody. Thank you guys so much for the success of the podcast. Tom Rashashin, please do me a huge favor. Hit that button to the man we discussed on today's episode, Leith Lofton. He wrote this song with our other buddy, Drake White. What you gonna do when the money's all gone? What you gonna do when the money's all gone? Peace out, people. Thank Thank you very much. The money's all gone. I'd rather be poor living off in a hole than rich as hell without a soul. Life on earth won't last that long. What you gonna do when the money's all gone? Say life on earth won't last that long. What you gonna do when the money's all gone?